episode number 66 of the Caffeine Crew cast of Pods. Tonight, we discuss disappointment in pop culture. Tonight, joining me is Bill. Hello. Jada. Hey. Kat. Hi. Jess. Greetings. New member, Ash. Salutations. And producing tonight is Ben. Hello. All right. Sorry. So, no, you're fine. You're fine. I wasn't sure if you were going to chime in or not. Yeah, it took me a uh, second to hit the button. I'm good. <laughs> All right. So let's start the episode the way that we start every other episode. So the question I have for everybody tonight is this. Would you rather be stuck with only reboots of classic properties from here on out or only superhero content to be produced in all forms of entertainment? And I'm going to start with our newest member tonight, Ash. Oh, good. Um, I think I probably would want reboots and I, it, it was tough because I love superhero content. Um, but ultimately I feel like reboots would allow us to, uh, consider current present, um, like politics and everything else. And, uh, the way we treat people currently in the property and then you could rehash it and make it better um so i think the reboots would be better because i think if i had only superhero content i would get bored of just superheroes all the time despite loving them so much uh bill i would totally be down with reboots um i feel like i've been pushed out of superhero content even though i mean right now like wandavision is huge and i love wandavision and i look forward to it every week but that's probably about the only superhero thing that i look forward to every week um so yeah i'm gonna stick with reboots even though certain reboots i think i've heard recently are kind of like oh no why are they doing this let's not do this please what one wizard of oz well, if you think about it, though, even still with Wizard of Oz, it's not like it's only been made one time. It's just we only remember one version. I mean, it's it's the best. Like, it's fantastic. I don't think it needs to be redone. You know, there's a lot of things where you don't need to reboot them. So I will say the Wiz, though, was a very good version of Wizard of Oz. That's technically a reboot. So I don't think that this one was going to be that bad. <laughs> True. Uh, Jada. I would actually also go with reboots. I mean, as much as I like superheroes, there's a lot of content out there that if we could live in that universe and just have like a rehashed version of it, a rebooted version of it, I don't necessarily see that as a bad thing. Granted, there are some pretty terrible reboots of things, but there's also some pretty good stuff. And I kind of agree with Ash, like we could update things and maybe make them better. So why not? Um, Cap. I would also go with reboots, mostly because I mean, like, it's what we've been doing as a culture for a very, very long time. Fairy tale retellings are all the rage. They continue to be all the rage. And they see, there's Riley's helping. She agrees. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, big opinions there. So that's fine. Jess. Can I, like, have my cake and eat it too if I say that we're, like, rebooting the MCU already? Or do I really have to pick one? <laughs> no, I, I would I, definitely go with reboots. I mean, as much as I love the superhero movies that we've had for the last mm, decade plus, 
Um, I feel like there's more variety in a world with just reboots. So it would be yeah. more interesting. I mean, honestly, I think it's valid to say to reboot even existing superhero properties because ultimately we have already been doing that. Um, it's just basically no new characters would come to the screen for this first time, you know, is basically what it would be. So you'd be like, okay, you know, where probably people would start would be like X-Men or our third iteration of the Fantastic Four, so on and so forth. Um, but I, I, I honestly, I think you're right. Reboots, uh, piggybacking of, off of what Ash said was exactly spot on. You, you know, take a couple of things that have just happened in the last few years. Nobody expected in our lifetime that Shira would be a big thing again. And look at how great of a job that they did bring that to current standards and spoke to such a great LGBT market, plus having really great female representation of characters. And I think being able to look at, you know, the what's under the spotlight and culture at the time and being able to like really look at that and kind of reflect upon it, I think is incredibly important. Um, I mean, who doesn't want to see the third, uh, third iteration of point break where they actually maybe get it as interesting as the original, even to say the first one wasn't that great. So, all right. So um, diving in. So last month, we didn't get a chance to really talk about these things yet because we plan this the way that we plan a lot of our shows and we end up cutting half of our content because we can't shut our mouths. Um, so we did our 2020 year in review, but that second half was supposed to be all about disappointments in pop culture. So, um, you know, we pretty much took that outline, only added one or two things from Bill's recommendation to not try to flesh it out too much because uh, <laughs> we'd just be in part two of this episode next month. But um we're going to say whatever we get through tonight is what we get through. And then we'll move on to new pastures um, next month, regardless. So, uh, but ultimately, since we're talking about disappointments in pop cultures tonight, really, I guess a good place to start was for everybody here. What was a personal piece of entertainment that sticks closest with you that you thought was a massive disappointment, like something that you were really, really pumped and excited about went and saw it. And then you were just thoroughly let down. Like it kind of like, you know, I don't know if it messed up your night or your week or whatever, or maybe even just erased it from your culture. Uh, Kat. Riley also has opinions, but we were very disappointed by the end of How I Met Your Mother. And I will forever, ever, ever be disappointed by the end of How I Met Your Mother. We had, I remember because we, I think we had Sam over that night. Like we were all so thrilled about the ending. We love that show so much. Also, it doesn't really hold up very well if you go back to it now. But yeah, when we like when that ending landed and everything that they built fell apart in like one up or two episodes, the two parter finale, it was just that was incredibly disappointing. Um, who else is ready to go? Jada, I would say the ending of Game of Thrones, it was such a letdown. Like the entire series, there was so much buildup and so much conflict and everything and then you're expecting this like epic finale and it just kind of fell flat like it wasn't it really just didn't hold up the way it should have it was like trying to catch a like a ton of water and instead of a bucket you have a calendar it was kind of like splash like it just missed the mark completely uh bill i have a difficult time with this question because i really don't I, I try to stay off of the hype train like 
I, I try to stay off the off of, off of the big hype train, so I don't have those huge disappointments. Like I've never really feel like I've had a big letdown with any piece of entertainment, whether it's movies or books or um, you know video games. Like even you know most recently Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, I enjoyed it. I still haven't finished it, but I wouldn't say it's a gigantic disappointment for me. You know, it didn't meet the mark. Like there's a lot of things that don't meet the mark. I can only remember one movie that I think I've ever actually walked out of because I was just like halfway through it. I'm like, no, I can't do it anymore. And it was the brothers grim. That was like so long ago, but yeah, other than that, I really, I don't build myself up to be disappointed because I feel like I still want to enjoy the time that I have without whatever entertainment I'm watching. Um, Ash. Um, in ways I definitely agree with, uh, what Bill said. I don't really follow the hype train. So a lot of my disappointment with things are like when something is absolutely egregious, but I definitely have like two. I, I don't think I could pick just one. Um, the first was the first Transformers movie that J.J. Abrams put out, because I loved Transformers. Oh, uh, as a kid. not Abrams. It was uh, what's his name? Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Or Michael Bay. Yes, that's who it was. Not J.J. Abrams. Sorry, Michael Bay. Yes, because I saw the trailer and I was like, oh, this looks like it could be really cool. And then I saw the movie and I was like, what? But we couldn't see them transform. We could see their arm transform. They're called fucking Transformers. Like. What 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 is happening here? What is this film? So when Bill said that uh, there was a film he walked out of, uh, that that was the film I walked out of. I, I forgot about Transformers because I fell asleep during it. During and, and, the big action scene at the end, I was just like, nope. Yeah, I I couldn't think of one. I was sitting here and I was like, I don't really know that I have anything um, other than the obvious, which is cyberpunk 2077 and for me cyberpunk was a problem because i was working in the industry when it was announced and i had coming to me everything that they were sending to professionals saying this is what this game is going to have like and a long list of like what you could expect and what you should say to promote it so for me it wasn't the hype that got me it was the fact that they flat out lied, like just blatantly lied about what was going to be in that game. And then what they put out was not a next gen item. What they put out was a badly optimized previous gen game that didn't work on previous gen systems. Um, and it's a huge reason why I will not be purchasing the game because I have seen enough of the gameplay to be like this is not interesting to me they actually really failed um Jess yes so uh, other than the obvious which I 100% agree with how I met your mother Kat oh dear god that last season was terrible um this is gonna be unpopular and I don't know if it's unpopular with this group but Rise of Skywalker let me down immensely um I I'm of the opinion that Last Jedi was the best of the new trilogy. I loved it. I loved what Ryan Johnson tried to do with it. And I feel like J.J. Abrams came back and just undid everything that, that Ryan Johnson was trying to do. And I felt like one of the biggest things to me is characterization. You, like, you can't just assassinate all the character growth that your characters have had for the last however long. You see that with How I Met Your Mother. It was present in Game of Thrones. And I firmly believe it was also present in Rise of Skywalker. 
Um, actually, I, I was going to be using that one as well. Um, and I think sometimes for me, it wasn't walking out of that and just feeling like crushed and down. Like there was a high that you still felt after it because like filmmakers, I think, still know how to elicit emotional responses from you in the right ways in the right moments. And you feed off of the people around you. Like if you're in a, uh, an empty movie theater and it's just you to watch something, you don't cheer or usually laugh out loud too often. Like you do have those moments. I think when something truly like hits you hard, but I think a lot of times when all of us kind of watch something by ourselves in a quiet environment, you view it in a very much different lens. And I think when you're there, like, the way that we've seen all of these, the newest Star Wars films, and in addition to uh, the prequels, um, I know, like, for example, um, you know, many, many of our friends have all gone together in large groups or things like that. And it was been a big experience. And I think you all get very swept up in doing something huge and big together. And that becomes part of your experience. But sometimes you'll have that delayed response of a disappointment. Like you sit back and go, huh. And that's what happened to me was like, there was so many things I wish they weren't afraid to take a risk on. And you look at things like the Mandalorian or like the Clone Wars TV series or Rebels, and they were not afraid to make big bombastic risks and do, like I said, exactly what like Ryan Johnson did and said, I'm going to elevate this in a way that you may have never thought about Star Wars being before. Like you see that in book series, like the, the Legends line, the new lines of books. But, you know, I think when you're also making something for a mass market, you have a tendency to play it safe. And I think they were so afraid of doing something wrong and they looked at the responses from last jedi and a lot of people not liking it that they just kind of took a step back and played it safe again and i think that's what happened to me uh ash you wanted to just jump in yeah um i definitely i will third that it was for me kind of a letdown of those three um and i thought about using it as my example um but i think ultimately what got me to not use it as my example is the fact that it had to be rewritten in a very short period of time because of losing Carrie Fisher. And that definitely, I think, had an impact on how they did the storytelling. But I do think that there there was like a way they could have done it better, like easily better. But I like am more forgiving, I guess, because of the time crunch and the issues that they had involving that. I mean, Disney had them on a very strict schedule of when they wanted these things released. And that was, I think, unfortunately, gave us a weaker film as the final. Jess? Yeah, I 100% acknowledge that they did what they had to do to make it a, a viewable movie, but it just let me down in so many aspects, um, not just with the main character. Well, yeah, with the main characters. Like I will never forgive them what they for what they did to Finn's character, just straight up. Like he was completely robbed of an amazing character arc that was hinted at and then just let go, never developed. So that's just one of the issues. I could talk about that for a while, but we're not talking about Star Wars today, so. <laughs> yeah, and I, I honestly really want to preface before we really get into the meat of this episode, like this, the goal of this episode is not to bash on any properties because I think everybody here and most of the properties we're going to talk about um, and focus on, a lot of us have a lot of very deep love for, but I don't think there's anything wrong with being able to be critical about some of the things that you like, because I think we all can admit, even like my favorite film of all time is is jaws 
I can still look at that and say, I was like, well, you know, like maybe the first like third of that movie or like half of that movie, maybe the pacing's a little bit slow by, especially by today's standards or things like that. But for me, like, you know, it still holds a special near and dear place to my heart. As we know, there's going to be like the new generation of kids being raised now are going to look at the same way. Uh, you know, like the prequel trilogy or the brand new Star Wars trilogy are going to be like, those are special to them. And they're going to look at four, five, and six. It's like, well, it was a little slow and it wasn't maybe my cup of tea. I think we're all going to have those moments. I just want to make sure to speak to the audience to say, this is not us saying, well, we're going to crap on the wizarding world and we're going to crap on Star Wars. This is us just trying to have a, a, a legit conversation about why I think the, you know, the nerd culture gets very uppity sometimes about these things. Cat. I want to see a small child say, this is not my cup of tea. <laughs> All right. So, so that poses the big question tonight is, so why do we personally feel that geek culture seems to be the most, it feels like honestly the most impacted when entertainment misses its mark. And there's a lot that we can unpack with this. And Bill already is like, okay, I'm ready to go. So go ahead and Bill. It is exactly what, uh, what we think it is. So, Everybody knows the the home video of the kid getting the Super Nintendo for Christmas or the N64 or whatever it was where the kid unwraps it and it's just like, oh, my God, it's an Nintendo. He goes crazy. And I'm not trying to blow up the mic at this point. Um, whereas, like, in my own personal experience, like, especially, you know, when Christmas time presents, I am not one of those people that opens a Super Nintendo and goes crazy about it. I am like, hey, look, this is really cool. This is what I like. And if it's not some, something that I don't like, I'm like, okay, that's fine too. Like, I think a lot of geek culture wants that Super Nintendo moment. And they build things up so much to get that Super Nintendo moment. They're hyping themselves up for it. And when it's just a Nintendo, it's like, oh, well, it wasn't the thing that I wanted, even though it's still something really cool. What do you mean, just a Nintendo? That phrase has never been uttered. I understand. It's I understand. just a Nintendo shucks. I wanted sucks this year. That's not how that goes. <laughs> oh, it's just a Wii instead of a Nintendo Switch. Hey, Jada, go ahead. Sorry, I'm, sorry. I'm laughing hysterically because I literally had that moment with my son Jude when he got his Nintendo Switch with like that freaking out hype, um, you know, 10-year-old boy excitement. Um, but... I think one of the reasons why we get so obsessed with geek culture and like our fandoms and why we feel it so intensely is because so many of us are kind of felt like we kind of feel like outcasts throughout, you know, most of our adolescence and teen years. And we latch on to these fandoms because we feel accepted. And when we are immersed in that world and in that realm, we are accepted. We are powerful. We are Jedis. We are wizards. We are fairies. We are whatever we want to be. And so when we get let down by that fantasy, even though we know it's a fantasy and we know the creators are human and we know that they sometimes aren't necessarily going to play it out the way we want it to in our heads, we feel it that much more intensely. So that's my take on it. Real quick, I just want to say, yes. I don't know what just happened there, uh, but when you were saying that, my brain went to what makes us special from Shrek the Musical, and I kept kind of just playing that in my head. Jess, you were wanted to jump in real fast. I just wanted to say that that's the beauty of fan fiction. That is 100% what fanfic is for. Uh, fix it, fix our thing for a reason. Uh, Ash. Yeah, I wanted to continue on Jada's point of the, like, this is, you know, you get so invested in it, and it becomes a, a real part of you. Um, that was, like, 
for me, a lot of my growing up, I felt more connected and identified with characters in books and movies because somebody put something out there that I felt saw me where if I talked to another human being, I wasn't always great at getting my point across or explaining myself. And I always felt like there was some gap in in the understanding. So seeing something and being like, oh, that character, like that, I identify with that. Somebody clearly gets me out there. I don't know this person who gets me, but somebody gets me. And you just get so invested in that, that feeling of being understood um, that when you get let down, especially with something like character development, where you see this beautiful character arc happening with a character, and then suddenly you're like, no, that's that's not true to how they would have reacted to that. That's not who they are as a person. Like, where is that coming from? Um, it, it really hits hard because you feel like you knew this person because it feels like a part of you at that point. Uh, Kat, did you have something to add? I mean, I would say, you know, ultimately with that, I, I think that starts getting into that territory where we have already brought up a couple points here that starts kind of breaking this down further. Um, so the couple points that I thought, and we can kind of go through these, I think, one by one. Um, there's the hype, which is the N64 kid uh, versus reality. Uh, and I think under that is where sometimes we see things like, you know, creators and their failures to deliver kind of mirroring what Ash said earlier on about, you know, um, CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk 2077 and things like that. I think when somebody says, this is going to be the best movie we've ever created, this is all the reasons why you should care, you know? Um, and that builds those hype levels. Um, but then we also have the fandom angle, um, which is, if taken to an extreme place, becomes a, a gatekeeping territory. And it can be, because when you become an extreme fan and, you know, go back and look at our toxic fandoms episode from a year or two ago. Uh, but, you know, gatekeeping is very other side of that. And I think that's something we're going to be exploring later this season, uh, talking about gate gatekeeping in a much more robust and thorough way. But I, I, that is another piece. And then ultimately, you know, as our opener today, we talked about, you know, I said, hey, you only have superhero content. Nobody, but no, no, no one here said, let's do all superhero content all the time is because there's also that problem sometimes, but disappointment also sometimes is a result of being burned out on something for far too long. So let's backtrack to hype versus reality. And I think that's a really good place to break this down. It, you know, Bill, do you want to kind of expand about, upon that a little bit more or do you want to kind of hand that off? Um, I mean, so there's there's hype. Like, I mean, we mentioned Cyberpunk 2077. There was a lot of hype there, but there was also a lot of lies and deception as well. Um, so I don't know if that's the best case to talk about like a hype thing. Uh, so I think I will pass this one off to someone else who may want to take it. <laughs> Well, I, I mean, I think with hype, um, for to jump into this a little bit, I think really one of the things that when you have a property, I think that you thoroughly love, even if you're not like say you know just very deeply invested into the the fandom as a whole, but like you know it's special to you. It's hard to not look at something like when they say, "Hey, you know, like again, I hate to use the analogy, but we use this analogy all the time." But Star Wars is one of the best ones in the universe because I think it really handles a lot of the lot of talking points that we usually come up with. But when we all heard, oh my God, they're going to make seven, eight, nine. Like there was not a person I didn't know that all of a sudden said, here's all the grandiose things because I played the tabletop game, whether it was West End or a new one that came out 
or, you know, played video games over the last, you know, 20 some years and you you live and breathe it from book series to radio serials, whatever it may be. Um, and you go into that. But like you, when you have a long stretch of time, when something is announced to when it comes out, all your brain is doing a lot of times is filling in all of these questions and it keeps throwing it at it. And you're hope you eventually have this wall where all these things have stuck. And then you have to kind of take a look back and like, is any of this realistic or feasible? Um, and I think versus what we know that they may do. And I think that that's a big part for me is life cycles of knowledge of something coming, I think also extends the hype train a little bit too long. You know, COVID was a huge change for a lot of that, I think, for a lot of people this year. And that was like, we had people excited about last year seeing a new Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And now that is extended into 2022. So you now have an announcement to a teaser trailer to all of this stuff. You now have this four out of four year long cycle for a movie that's been shot, ready to go and all these things. But the hype train is going to start rebuilding again and so on and so forth. So I think that's something that gets very scary when when you can't disassociate that versus what you actually may be getting. Ash. Um, yeah, I think that um I was going to bring up the Star Wars one, but then you you brought it up. Um, I do remember when 7, 8, and 9 were announced and then they were coming out. Um, just hearing people's various predictions, and I definitely had predictions of my own, many of which actually were true. Um, I felt very, very good and validated when they were. But at the same time, I remember also hearing people's letdown of 7 when it came out. Um, because of the fact that in a lot of ways, it was kind of a rehashing of New Hope, except with new characters. And you're like, oh, I think I've seen this film before. And I was like, still there for it. Like me personally, I was like, yes, you can give me the same content again, whatever, I don't care. Um, because I have read stuff from the Star Wars universe in the books and I have um, played the games. So like I have content from elsewhere. If they want to like re- put on screen something I've already seen eh, whatever I'd prefer if they did something new but I'm not going to get mad at it because I like Star Wars a lot but I think some people hold their media to a higher standard and I don't know that that's always wrong to hold their media to a higher standard um, but at the same time like other people get really out of control with the amount that they hype things up where they are they create a scenario in their head. And as Jess said, and I'm sure we're going to come back to it multiple times, create fanfic, like make the world you want to see because you can make the world you want to see. And nobody else is like need or is like beholden to you to create what you want. Jada. Sorry, I forgot to unmute. Um, just to kind of piggyback off of what you guys have already said, it's, I think some of it is also when you are immersed in these worlds as a child and even as an adolescent, it becomes larger than life. It becomes this like uber fantasy and we can't help but hype it up because when you're six years old and you see the X-Wings pop their like lock in their foils and like go into that dog fight with the TIE fighters, it's the most epically cool thing you've ever seen and it's world changing when you're say 36 and you still have that mindset of being a six-year-old in 
seeing that movie for the first time, well, and I'm talking whether you saw them in the originals in the theaters in the 70s and the 80s, or if you saw them in the 90s for the prequels, whatever. But when you see them again, when you see that again, you want it to live up to that six-year-old hype. And for some people it does. It legitimately does. You still feel that adrenaline rush of like, oh my God, this is the coolest thing ever. But then if it doesn't quite mit, like make that mark in your brain, it lets you lay, it, it flattens for you. And some people need it to be that same level. And there's something about us that we literally cannot have it be the same thing twice for some people. And they honestly just can't let that go. And that is where it kind of snowballs into that toxic fandom of, oh, it didn't live up to it. It wasn't as good as I remember. Well, you were six years old or 10 years old or 12 years old. It's not gonna be the same watching it when you're 12 years old versus when you're 30 or 25 or 41. It's not gonna be quite the same because things have evolved. You've seen other content, you've seen other different types of entertainment and other fandoms. So it might not live up to what that first time experience was in your brain. So I think that's when people start to really kind of get that like, oh, it wasn't as good. And they they completely let it deflate. So, but I mean, there are, I think there are some times where some people really can go into it with an open mind. And if you can go into it with an open mind and say, you know, it's like having a veggie burger versus having an Angus steak burger. They're not going to taste exactly the same, but if you can appreciate each for what they are, they both taste pretty darn good. Yeah. That's my piece. It, it's, you know, it's, the rose, it's the rose colored glasses angle of it uh, is I think is a huge part. Like I think there's somebody, everybody here has something that they were beholden to when they were a child that they think of as this great grandiose thing. And then all of a sudden they'll be like, you know what? I'm going to go back and revisit that. And you haven't maybe seen it or considered it for about 20, 30 years and you watch it and you're like, Oh no, this was never good. <laughs> this is what I tortured my parents with daily. You know, one of those moves. So, uh, Bill. Uh, so going back to like the whole, you know, lead up of the hype train with years and years of, of hype going into something that's been announced. And especially again with the pandemic, delaying releases of movies uh, has another thing to do with what we're doing in social media right now and our echo chambers. Like, you know, I don't want to say we all have bad echo chambers, but we meet with like-minded people. We all like the same things and we start to put together theories of things and build on them and build on them and build on them until it's a gigantic mountain that can never be, summited like there's just no way to build up to to what we've all built it up in our minds and with everybody talking back and forth about you know this is what i think it's going to be no it's going to be better than that and it just keeps going yeah uh jess i think there's also a big difference between the reality of it not being what you wanted versus um, creators failing to deliver and sort of dropping the ball in, in multiple ways. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and ultimately, it's really tricky too, because I mean, I think failure deliver, it, it goes into really interesting territory. It does, certainly. Um, and I'm not here to vilify creators of things that we love. Like, uh, that's not what I'm trying to say. But I also feel like the creators of things have a responsibility to the fans in certain aspects. And it's really, it's hard because then there are the 
the very unfortunately vocal minority who feel entitled. And that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm not talking about that feeling of entitlement by fans that seems to have gotten worse over the years as to how they feel their media should go. But I do think that there is some sense of responsibility that creators should have towards their audience, whether that be for video game developers who are, you know, actively harming their employees by by going into crunch time versus um, male directors failing up into a project that they maybe did not have the follow through for. So it's a little bit different when, you know, you have creators of things like films and books and, and, you know, uh, and TV where you create a thing and it's out there and you can't really change it when it's out there. You know, we've seen things like Zack Snyder's trying to release his director's cut and he did, I think. Not which, yet. Uh, not yet. Next month. Next okay. month. But, but it's still, you know, the original media is still out there. Whereas things like, video game creators. Um, I think the perfect example for this is No Man's Sky and Hello Games. They released No Man's Sky and I can't remember how many years ago it was at this point, but About it five, was I think. it was an utter like failure. It was like, no, this is not living up to anything that you guys promised. And they were like, okay, we hear you. We're going to fix it. And it's been years and they've just kept releasing new content for free, not DLC where you have to pay for it. It's not like, okay, here's an addition to the game that, oh, we're going to make you pay for because we didn't release the whole game when we first did it. They said, we're going to make this game what we wanted it to be and what you wanted it to be. And they can fix it over time. Ash? Yeah, um, to piggyback on that, uh, specifically with No Man's Sky, because I actually just re-picked up the game uh, recently. I got that game when it first came out and absolutely loved it. I was probably the very few people who absolutely loved it, but that's because I just wanted to explore space all by myself with no other humans and find planets. I was thrilled. I liked the monotony. I was here for it. And it's actually what I expected. It was exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, but for a lot of people, it wasn't. Um, and a lot of people took things that were said in interviews as potential things for the future of the game as something that would have been out immediately. Um, so that was a lot of the weird disconnect between hype and promise because the promise wasn't exactly there for the initial release. There was a lot of things people assumed they had promised that if you read the uh, interviews or even listen to the interviews, they weren't saying that that was coming out on release at all. Um, but they have since um, made true on that promise. And even though I loved the original game, the stuff that they've added is phenomenal. And they've been working on up it, on it up until this past year. In the past year, they just put out um, an update for PS5, and it's stunning. It works really well. It runs smoothly on the system. They really put the effort in, and um, they also... Uh, 
on top of putting the effort in, have created a game that has vastly uh, been, become superior to what they had initially released. I just want to check on Jada real quick. Is that cool? You Jada? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so apparently we have both of our space heaters running in the basement right now. Mike just came downstairs. He was going to start playing video games. And I think it blew a, it like blew a trip to circuit or something. All of a sudden I'm sitting here in the dark. <laughs> The mood lighting was beautiful. Wasn't yeah. it though? Uh, I'm just, super pale, so my face like glowed. So it's a little scary for everybody. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I, just to kind of use, because like, I think Hello Games is a really great example of creators versus fans. Um, and for those of you that are not as familiar, uh, Hello Games is a, was a tiny little studio that was like four or five people. And a little, they made two little indie games before this. And it was a game called Joe Danger and Joe Danger 2 about a little cartoon character that drove a motorcycle. That was it. Um, and when they were presented on a stage uh, at a Sony conference years ago at E3, uh, and Sony didn't have a lot to show, they brought up a lot of indie developers. And so when they came out there and they said, this is what we're doing, and everybody's like, wait, what? And everybody glommed onto it. And like you saw Sean Murray, who was the head of their studio, all of a sudden on all these talk show circuits, like he was on Conan, he was on a whole bunch of other people. And you could tell this guy was like, uh, people are blowing this out of proportion and uh, we're scared. Like they went from like a four person studio to like 18 people over the course of a few months and still like basically were decimated by the general public at release. But I think that's a huge part though. Like when you think about like, again, fan expectations and then creators failing to deliver, I, I think that's, it goes very much hand in hand is how much again, is it creators not delivering? And is it because again, there's that expectation again. Um, and I think, you know, you think about a lot of these things and it, it kind of always goes hand in hand. Kat. Um, just thinking off of what Jess is mentioning though, with, um, you know, the creators and what they want to deliver, for example, and how the fans receive it. One thing that like kind of skews stuff that I've noticed is in anything that's serial, um, whether it's TV, books, things like that. The second you start, there's a big tug of war between like the creator's vision and then the money that they're making from this series that they continue to put out when it's well past its time. Because that's, I think, like, for example, my biggest disappointment with How I Met Your Mother. And it wasn't because of you know like had the creators done a three season series for that show i think that it would have worked their original concept would have worked but because it went on so long because everything played out so long i think their concept like failed and i mean it's because they clung to a concept that was a short-term concept that couldn't span nine or however many seasons there were and i think the same thing happened with like supernatural where that the five seasons of Supernatural, where it ended there is a perfect series of television. I watched some past and there are fun episodes, but it didn't have that cohesion, that storyline, that arc that really is what the, like drew that drew the fans in initially and paid off so well. And the longer you stretch something like that, I mean, it turns into like Kathy eventually it just snaps. And it's not going to, like, it's just going to deflate. It's not going to deliver. Yes. I've really, truly grown to appreciate creators and creative teams who are aware enough to say, okay, this is the story we wanted to tell. 
and now we're done. I think a show that really did a great job of doing that was The Good Place. They said, okay, we have an idea for four seasons. We're going to end it here. We know you love it. We love it but we're not going to milk it because it would lessen the impact of what we're trying to do here. And I wish more creators thought that way, especially now. Um, Yeah. It's to leave them wanting more Jada. Two quick series that in my mind really did that. Well, number one, gravity falls. If you have not watched it, do so two seasons. And it is a summer with these two kids exploring this crazy wacky town. And it, they wrap it up perfectly in two seasons. Um, there is like occasionally in the fandom, people will talk about them bringing it back or like creating something new with it. And like, I just, I love how they wrapped it up so perfectly in that little bow. Um, I think another uh, franchise that does that really well is the Avatar se- uh, series, especially Avatar The Last Airbender. It's four, it's four seasons, four books as, you, as they put it, but it's, it's wrapped up pretty well. They have that one arc there's subplots in there, but it's really, it focuses on that arc of the story for that one, for that team of characters. They do that pretty well in Korra as well too. Um, but I think really Avatar The Last Airbender really captures that pretty well. I mean, like you said, we talked about it last month in our episode, but Shit's Creek was another great one was yes. it rode such a perfect high, but it knew the story it wanted to tell, told it and said, have a good one. Um, and I do love the fact that like, even though these things wrap up, like I think, Avatar and Korra are really great because you can still say, okay, there's more stories to tell in this world. It doesn't have to be about these characters, though. I think if you have a true great world, there's a lot to explore. Uh, Bill, and then um, we'll go to Ash Jada. I think with the move to streaming services making their own content and you know other premium services making their own content, it's going to give us more of these stories where it's like, hey, we have a full story. We're going to tell this story. We're not going to draw it out more than we need to because we don't have advertisers paying the bills. We have our subscribers paying the bills and this is what they want to see. And they want to see a good, you know, a good TV show, a good film or a good film series and not stretch it out just to milk the advertising money. Uh, Ash. Uh, Yeah. In, in uh, response to uh, stories that are put out from start to finish and kept within a contained package um watchmen they put out one season and they left you hanging and then the person who wrote it was like that's it we're, i'm not i'm not doing more that's i've told the story that i want to tell i've made you think again about these characters and where they've been from the point of their last story till now now it's done it is free and you can but there will be no more Watchmen TV series, which I was so disappointed with. But at the same time, it is such a perfect package. Like the way it ends, like there's so many places it could go. And I'm perfectly content with just letting that be the life that it lives. Jada. Sorry, I just muted myself and then unmuted myself and then muted myself and unmuted myself again. Um, So when you were talking about, Rob, when you were mentioning universes and how more stories can be played out in them. Um, We were talking earlier about character arcs for certain Star Wars characters, Finn, and I think they really wrapped up, they they wrapped up the Skywalker series, but I think there's more out there for some of the characters that they've just brought in. So I'm really curious to see what's going to happen in those universes and what those stories and what they're going to make of that. 
Yeah, and I and honestly like it's it's funny like now though too that there's and I, it it's goes back to Bill's initial point about bringing up some stuff like the Snyder Cut. Um, and you watch a lot of things that have even happened and, you know, fan responses and the way that that has impacted things like, um, you know, say, for example, um, lost my point. Damn it. Um, ah, yeah, sorry. Um, but involvement from fans and how that has impacted actors and actresses uh, in certain roles you, and even creators. You, you, the Snyder Cut was a great example when the reins were handed off to Joss Whedon. Uh, Ray Fisher went through massive allegations against Warner Brothers during that entirety of post that film because Cyborg's character was cut down to almost nothing. Um, you know, there was a representation issue. Um, we now have heard John Boyega basically say, you know what, if they ever ask me to come back to Star Wars, I'll never do it. Um, and it's just he's like, you know, like the way that I was treated from studios and execs but even not even that though but by the fandom um and again it's those gatekeeper fans or those toxic fans are a lot of times what is going to be responsible for those stories that you want to see not happen and i think it it, it's it ties into all of these points we're talking about those disappointments from a, a, a vocal minority um a lot of times can really ruin things very quickly um, you know, we talk about in this, like, you know, like that brand burnout and such. And I think this is a lot of this is talked about here, but I think this is a good place for us to kind of get into a little bit more on some of that toxic fandom part of this and the gatekeeper angle. And then, you know, I think we're going to try to shift out of this because I know we're going a little long on this part as expected. Uh, and then we can at least try to tackle the next point or two. And yes, shock faces all around. Uh, so anybody have any pieces they want to add into like the gatekeeper angle or the toxic fandom part of, you know, why entertainment misses its mark? Ash. Um, yeah, actually, you had just mentioned uh, John Boyega and Star Wars. Um, there was a lot there with the relationship between Poe and Finn that got a lot of pushback from folks. And it was clear that that was something that was being worked on and a really cool aspect because, man, bisexual erasure in media sure is a goddamn thing. Um, and ultimately, the toxic fandom won. Their pushback was enough to make that entire idea and storyline disappear. Um, and it's unfortunate. Like, it's unfortunate how that affects that sort of representation, both of the queer community, but also of, like, POCs. Because um, I'm forgetting her name, but the character who played Rose, the pushback against her and the impact that she had on the story because people were like, oh, who is this random person? I was like, you realize this is an entire galaxy of people. It's a galaxy of people. There's infinite amounts of like things that could happen with anybody that they come across. Anybody can make a difference. I'm like, that's the point of this story, especially in Ryan Johnson's version like that. They really, oh, Kelly Marie Tam, thank you. Um, they really were like trying to in that, uh, in episode eight, push on the anybody can make a difference thing. And I feel like in 
uh, Rogue One, there was a lot of that too, of like how they kind of picked up different characters from the different places that they were at. And there were folks that could make a difference and change the course, like caused them to be able to take down the Death Star, right? Like that's a huge deal. These people that nobody's going to really remember with the exception of maybe one of them uh, because her father helped build the Death Star. Spoilers. <laughs> but, uh, oh, sorry, Kelly Marie Tran is the correct name. I want to make sure we get the actual name out there because she did a phenomenal job and her character was important. Um, and just the fact that toxic fandoms can kind of shit all over that and ultimately that the producers of these things listen is just kind of devastating like that's where my biggest disappointments end up coming from yeah um finn and poe don't even get me started they should have kissed anyway um and just the fact that kelly marie tran was like she deactivated all of her social media accounts because of all of the hate that she was getting and that absolutely breaks my heart because Rose Tico was such a phenomenal character and the depth and warmth that she brought to that role could have really gone somewhere. And the fact that it didn't because of a, un again, unfortunately vocal, hopefully minority of the fandom is just, I don't know, guys, I feel like there's got to be something that can be done about it, but I really don't think that there is but I feel for the actors and I feel for the character arcs that were lost. Um, just to kind of wrap this little section up, um, I think one of the things that I think studios and especially now streaming services really need to take into account um, is when you have screaming fans and screaming fans after something comes out demanding something or demanding things not to be done in the future, um, I think creators need to stop caving to them. Um, and that's what's been happening. This is why we suddenly now have a Snyder Cut coming out that HBO is and Warner Brothers is spending an obscene amount of money on. It's not just because, yes, a lot of content wasn't being made because of the pandemic. It was people screamed so much and just kept demanding it over and over. People flew blimps at Comic-Con for it. It's just, you know, it, it drives me nuts when we see so much of this. And it's just, again, it's that vocal minority that puts a stop to these things and forces these things to happen. And it, I think, does alter a course of what could be interesting evolution of pop culture. Um, so, but ultimately, though, sometimes that falls back on, again, as we talk a little bit about the creators, but not specifically about what they're creating, but sometimes their personal views. See, nice pivot. Um, but yeah, so here's a question for everybody is, and I know we've talked about this in the past, and I know a name that's going to come up at nauseum in a moment here, uh, creators and entertainment person, uh, you know, personnel that, and their views that the way that they impact your personal enjoyment of a product. Um, and if there are personal views from these creators, do you think damage can be undone? And I know Kat is ready to go. <laughs> I mean, I know we've already talked about J.K. Rowling. <laughs> but see, now we can transition from Star Wars discussions to... True. But honestly, <laughs> like, I can't... Ever since, like, I mean, I... I've been hearing that she could potentially be, you know, transphobic for a while. But for a long time, she kind of just kept stuff quiet. And it was just came up in weird little quips and stuff like that. 
But ever since, like, she's been vocally, and it's very clear that, yes, she is, and she's just been really, really shitty about it, I can't go back and reread the books. Like, the thing is, it taints the view of them, and it also makes you, like, when you see someone acting in that view, um, whether as a creator, I mean, as an author, like, stuff unintentionally comes up your own beliefs end up working their way through the book whether you want to or not and when you now know and are confronted with that author's point of view constantly especially when they have such a huge platform it's very it's a lot harder to separate it and it's a lot harder to view it with an innocent lens so like if I go back and rewatch Harry Potter when I like am I gonna see like very big gender things that I did not notice before, probably because it's going to be on my mind as I read it. And it's definitely going to make an impact on me being able to enjoy it, which is a shame. (laughs) Jess. I've talked on this podcast before about growing up as the Harry Potter generation and how it was absolutely everything to me. Just, yeah. And this whole this past year has really made me re-examine how I interact with it. For me personally, and everyone's going to be different, I'm not going to tell people how to interact with a franchise or IP that means the world to them. I get that, you know, process it the way you want to. But for me personally, like she is actively harming the trans community at this point. And I need to, if I am the ally that I want to be, I need to change my behaviors in regards to that. Can I enjoy it personally in my own time? Yes. Will Harry Potter always hold a special place in my heart also? Yes. But I am going to actively not give my money to her anymore as much of a difference as that will make. And it is absolutely gutting. You know, I've done a lot of of soul searching about this in the past year, not to sound dramatic about it, but you really need to come to your own conclusions and say that, you know, if if this is actively harming a whole group of people, I can't get behind that. I just can't. Ash. Um, I'm going to piggyback off of the Harry Potter conversation and then I'm going to pivot it in a different direction. If everybody does not mind. Um, As a trans person, uh, for those who don't know me, which is probably our entire audience, uh, I'm trans. Hi. (laughs) Um, I am non-binary. My pronouns are they, them. I am very public about who I am and the fact that I do consider myself part of the trans community. Um, It was a gut punch to realize that about J.K. Rowling. But also... While I decided for myself that that meant that that content is not going to be something I consume anymore, um, I know a lot of people who get a lot of comfort from that world, the entire wizarding world. Um, And so I have no ill feelings towards those people. Mind you, trans folk are not a monolith. I cannot speak for all trans people. But for me personally, I can see how certain people like are going to reread the books, are going to still call themselves Ravenclaw or Hufflepuff or Slytherin, because that is something that has they've identified with for longer than they've been hurt by J.K. Rowling's actions. And 
that tearing that away from yourself is difficult to do. Like I still consider myself a Ravenclaw. Hi, Rob. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Jess, yeah. Uh, like I'm like, that's, I, I got that. That made sense. But then looking back at the books, oh, cool. There's a boy's dorm and a girl's dorm. I guess I would sleep in the bathroom with Moaning Myrtle. Like we'll just chill out together. I guess that's, that's where I, I'll live. <laughs> um, but uh ultimately uh like at the end of the day I don't I can't be mad at people who I know are not like as long as you're acknowledging that she is problematic and that what she is doing is problematic that um I am totally fine with people who still decide to consume that content. I'm going to take a step back real quick before I pivot because it looks like other people want to talk about some stuff regarding all this. Okay, so my oldest child is actually named Lily, like Lily Evans Potter. So I might not have grown up with the books from a small child aspect, but I definitely adopted them and loved them with my full Gryffindor lioness heart, if you will. Um, J.K. Rowling is trash. Her opinions are her own and they're shitastic. Um, having to explain that to my child who... Um, who recently realized that she is non-binary. She goes by all pronouns. So she is fine with me saying she, but I've addressed this with her many times. I said, you know, if that ever changes and you feel more comfortable with they, them or he, him, just let us know and we'll adjust because we love you. And that's the most important thing. Um, Even just talking with her about the books, she went and actually kind of like erase J.K. Rowling's name from all the books that are in her house. Um, She's painted over them with either the pan pride flag or the trans pride flag. (laughs) Um, She, in fact, I think I have one in this very room where she actually erased J.K. Rowling's name and wrote Danny DeVito over top of it. Um, So basically, I kind of agree with the whole aspect of acknowledge that the person is trash. You can appreciate the aspects of it that are still near and dear to your heart, but you you do need to at least acknowledge that that person who created it is problematic. And we've done that. There, there are many, many artists out there who are problematic and or have been problematic. And at some point, we still do appreciate their art, even though we acknowledge that, yes, this was wrong. That person was wrong when they were racist or they were wrong in their attitude towards the LGBTQ community in some way. So, sorry, I'll, I'll let you pivot now. I'm done. Uh, Jess, you, real quick, you had something? <laughs> Yep. First of all, tell Lily, I want to be her when I grow up. Please just relay that information. <laughs> Me too. I know. Right. And I just Me wanted too. to say like, that was this, the hardest part of all of this for me is that that was my comfort media for so long. And especially this past year, my God, could I have used my comfort media and just the fact that that no longer is a source of comfort for me because it's been tainted because of one person's really shitty views is just so unfortunate um Ravenclaw's forever though so (laughs) uh Bill actually we haven't heard from you in a bit so I wanted to give you a spot to jump into I mean so this it's it definitely hits home um I definitely can't watch some of the things that I used to like to watch um I was going to start off this if I could jump in first and be like I'm going to talk about the person we all have on our mind disappointed and it's (laughs) Kevin Sorbo um Which, there was a, there was a part of me that really wanted to use that somewhere in the break music, but then I'm like, I think I just want to have a bit of Lucy Lawless just talking for about three minutes, just because she kicks ass, and yeah, definitely I mean, can shut him down on Twitter. So. Right, 
And I, I don't feel like I could go, go back and watch that stuff. I mean, obviously with some people like his views, if he totally wants to turn it around and say, Hey, I was wrong on all these things and, and recant a lot of things. Um, then maybe, maybe we could give it a chance again. You know, there are certain other ones like, you know, and not, and these aren't personal views, but things they've done things like, you know, people like Kevin Spacey I can't go back and watch his stuff. Like I just can't do it. Like I don't, I would not feel right doing it at all. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little weird. Um, but I don't think I could really enjoy creators products based on their personal views. If they really not just conflict, but really do harm. Uh, Ash back to you. Um, Bill actually started touching on some of what I was going to pivot to, uh, with, uh, Kevin Spacey and some of the things that he's done. Um, what I was going to pivot to is Marilyn Manson's been in the news a lot lately for something that we knew about for a little while. And that apparently the music community knew about for a very long time. Um, and for me, that kills music for me, finding out that a musician, like, assaulted people like I can't be down with that finding out that a musician was grooming minors I can't be down with that finding out that a musician is racist sexist uh actively a Nazi <laughs> will all get me to not want to listen to that stuff anymore and music for me that's my first love music is far and beyond the thing that I go to for comfort. Like just had said that uh, she had to give up her comfort object this year because of, of like looking back on it. For me, that becomes a, a regular occurrence uh, where CDs that I had loved and that helped me get through really difficult times in my life, I suddenly can't listen to without feeling like just utter disgust. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think before we take a break, I, I think there's a really good moment to kind of before we, uh, you know, stop is to remind people that was whenever there's somebody like this out there, there's hundreds and thousands of creators out there that do something that you want, want to be consuming that you don't know about yet. And it's a great opportunity to start putting support in their hands, um, you know, or again, being a creator yourself, if you have that drive um, take a chance on yourself, take that risk and say, I'm going to create that world. Like I said, write a fanfic, write a book, write music, whatever. If, if that's who you are, um, you know, support people that you want to that embrace who you are as a person and for the culture you want to exist. Um, and the downside is, you know, even with that stuff, you know, there's always going to be another one of those moments that's going to occur with probably another one of your heroes out there in one way, shape or form. But I think as long as people don't forget that it's okay to feel sad about those things happening. And if you need time to figure out where you fall with that thing that you love, that's okay. Um, only you can tell yourself that um, and how that impacts you in your life. But ultimately just remember there's other alternatives out there for yourself. And I think that's really always important to remember. So I think with that, we're going to take our break. Uh, we're going to come back. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about 
you know, spoiler culture and how that can impact disappointments in pop culture. And then obviously we're going to do what we always do when we have a topic like this and talk about some of the biggest disappointments across pop culture between books, TV, films, and gaming. I know we've already talked about a few, but I know there's a laundry list out there we haven't even touched upon because we've really only talked about Star Wars and Harry Potter. So <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, in addition to that, uh, a little segment we're going to call Fix It, Fix It, Fix It, because um, as always... We like to get a little creative, so we'll figure out how to tackle a problem that we have with an existing thing that disappointed us and how we would find a creative solution to fixing that problem. And then ultimately, a little bit of how we can kind of remind you all uh, to maybe help try to keep your expectations in a more safer place for both yourself and for geek culture in general. So, uh, But with that, we'll be back in just a few. So coming out of the break, one of the things we wanted to also dive into a little bit was talking about, you know, spoiler culture. And does this have a heavy impact on you being able to enjoy something or not? Um, I know right off the bat, there's a lot we can unpack here. And we'll probably try to keep this brief because we have a big major topic piece to get to after this. It's just probably going to eat up the large majority of our back half here. But, um, you know, ultimately, too, like if this was a special event, and how a spoiler damaged something for you. And I want to preface because since we're talking about spoilers, there are bound to be spoilers here. So this is just a fair warning up front that more than likely at this point in time, as we're recording this, it's like the 9th of February. So we use traditional two-week rules on this podcast that if it has happened in the last two weeks, so we will not be probably talking about, and I think we'll just put a moratorium on WandaVision just to be safe because it's still... In process, people may choose to binge watch that, so we'll just be kind about that right now. Uh, but pretty much anything from prior to is pretty much fair game. Um, but ultimately, also one of the other things, too, is how this culture of spoiler culture has changed over the last few years, and then how it maybe has shifted back into an old direction, uh, especially during times of COVID. Uh, and I think that's an important thing to bring up. So uh, Kat looks like she was ready to go, so let's start with you. Um, one of the ones that actually did spoil it pretty heavily for me, uh, spoilers did, um, was Avengers um, Infinity War. We were on vacation when uh, that, you know, came out. And I think it got spoiled for me, like, in a day. And the thing is, like, a lot of it was, like, a big, a lot of the movie was set up for the final part of it, for Endgame. And because the main, like, gut punch of the end got spoiled, it, like, it completely deflated everything for me. I'm like, eh, whatever. Like, even if we rewatch it, I kind of, because I never got that initial, oh, my God, feeling from it. 
or surprised at all. I just kind of like, like Rob did a rewatch of it recently and I loved Endgame. I'll dive right in there, but I usually skip over Infinity War. Yeah, it was uh, to kind of jump in with Kat is, like I said, we were in Paris at the time. So uh, I happened to be, it was in the middle of the night in Paris and I was just kind of catching up with what was happening back home. And it was, and it was not even thinking about that. It was posting photos of our trip and immediately seeing like all these little piles of ash and people were like, Mr. Stark, I don't feel so good. Like every six fucking seconds. And I'm like, God damn it, everybody. And I'm like, and it was, and it was so many people on my feed. And I'm like, it's like, well, cool. And I was like, at this point in time, I went over to comic book movie. I was like, I might as well read them. Cause I feel like I already know 90% of everything that's occurred. Yeah. And that was such a huge piece of this. Um, and I think, that was really what it was for me. It was like, I was like, well, it's already, already ruined. And when we got home a week later, I did go see it by myself. Uh, and I watched that movie and I was just kind of like, I so just don't care about this at all. Like it was completely any, any weight that that film could have had was gone completely for me at that point in time. And going back now and watching it, I was like, I don't know if this would have had an impact. So, um, Anybody else have a major one that was ruined for them or lessened their experience? Jada. Okay, so a big one for me was um, the death of the one dragon that then gets zombified in Game of Thrones. It was like the day after that episode had aired. Um, oh, no, 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 sorry. The day after the previous episode had aired. And I'm just scrolling through my newsfeed like you do. And somebody who I had been friends with actually back in like freaking grade school. And we just sort of always just kept in touch, but she posted the scene of the white walkers, like pulling him out of the icy waters. And then like, you just see the eye open up as like the bright blue white walker eye. And I was just like, you're not going to post anything above this saying like game of thrones huge ass spoiler i was livid i was so angry and i mean like i ended up of course i ended up watching the episode when it came out a week later but it was it just was so it was so ruined for me mm -hmm. like it was just i i was like oh, i already know what happens and now like i, I was very invested in the dragons at the time i'm not gonna lie yeah, like no, i was I totally get that. very very invested in the dragons and um to have, you know, to have that happen and then to have somebody spoil it off the bat like that was just like, I, I hit the unfollow button pretty quickly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ash? Um, I can't recall a specific thing that got spoiled for me that I remember getting upset about. I know there have been quite a few, um, especially uh, recently. Um but it's not even just people posting things. It's news articles. Google will be like, hey, I heard you like comic books. This episode came out this morning at 3 a.m. I know you work, but we're going to just tell you all these fan theories about it. I'm like, can you not? Can, can you? <laughs> Maybe not. Can I? Can I watch the episode? Can I get home? Can I sit down with my partner, have dinner and get to watch it first before you throw it my way? Um, but I'm super sensitive to spoilers in as much as... I try not to watch trailers of things that I'm excited about because I am very good at making connections with things. So even a trailer can spoil big moments for me that I will like be like, okay, so this 
event happened that's showing in the trailer and my brain will be like okay I know these characters especially for something like comic books or Star Wars or whatever and I'll be like oh clearly this is what's going to happen and then I get into the movie and it does happen and it, it doesn't ruin it for me that sort of thing for me it's just it's why I don't really watch films all that much um, because I would see a trailer for something. I would know what the storyline is going to be because of key little points in the trailer. And I was like, ah, yes, they are showing me this thing that I have already come up with in my head. Such enjoyment, quite good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so in recent years, I've cut back on watching trailers for things. That's been a big thing for me. Um, and I just actively avoid reading any articles from Screen Rant or other <laughs> places where they're like 10 new theories about, you know, X, Y, Z. Good, good rule of thumb. I always say don't read Screen Rant ever. <laughs> so because they're also <laughs> really, really good at saying this big news just broke. And I'm like, this isn't true at all. So <laughs> um, but I mean, honestly, I, you know, it's a real quick piggyback off of that. I think the news article stuff is bad where it's like, you'll never guess which character died. And I'm like, the thumbnail is the character that dies. And I'm like, can you maybe not connect them? Um, but you know, like with TV stuff though, especially, I think it's easier because it's, there's so much content when you have a story that takes place over 10 hours. Um, it's, it's really easy to say, okay, you know, this could be at any moment in these 10 hours, but when you have a trailer that's three minutes, four minutes long, and you have a two hour long movie, it can only fit into so many places. So it's a lot easier to figure out point A to point B to point C. Jess. I've spoiled a few like book deaths for myself by skipping ahead and reading ahead. And that's my own. <laughs> that's tradition though. It is. I did it for um, Harry Potter and the order of the Phoenix and spent the whole like second third of the book going, it's probably not going to happen. Everything's fine. And then it wasn't fine. Um, but I feel like with today's internet culture and the way that spoilers, like Ash said, happen like literally minutes after a new episode goes up or a new movie comes out. I'm torn personally. Um, on one hand, I will sometimes actively go out of my way and mute hashtags and keywords if I feel that strongly about it. Otherwise, for the most part, unless I'm reading like a play-by-play -play breakdown of how that scene went, I still feel like there's something to glean from it. Even if a major plot point is spoiled for me, even if I kind of know what's going to happen, the experience of it is often more important to me than anything else. So sometimes it's not the worst thing, but like if you're really excited about something and don't want to know anything about it, then absolutely. The way any, the, quickness with which online spoilers happen now is really disheartening. I'm actually going to go jump to Kat next. Um, jumping off of what just saying, I think um, for me, there's a difference. Like I actually don't mind spoilers in certain things. It's not going to ruin things for me when the story itself or the content itself is not reliant on that. But like, for example, in the situation of um, Infinity War, most of the movie was set up for the next movie. So the big the big hinge point, the big, the big, you know, grabbing you factor is the spoiler. It is the dramatic twist that happens. If the rest of it was like endgame, I didn't care if things got spoiled for me there because everything was had me engaged. So I think that's like, and I mean, with Game of Thrones, some of it, like every episode was so reliant on shit, like some, you know, some of it was shock factor or 
here's this big thing that's going to happen. And when you have media that is reliant on that shock factor on those spoilers, it's a lot like it gets a lot more upsetting when they're spoiled versus like, you know, if it's a book that I'm really enjoying um, and I love the characters and I love everything about it and I find out a big spoiler and stuff, as long as like it it probably won't impact it that much for me because I love everything so much that I just want to continue on and see what's going on. Ash. I'm realizing that when I said that I don't watch trailers, I'm like, it's actually because I, I get bored easily. I have not seen Good Omens yet, the TV show, because I haven't read the book yet. And I will not watch the show until I read the book, because if I watch the show first, it will be a slog for me to get through the book because I'll have spoiled the book for myself. So like for me, I like if I know what's going to happen in media, I could put myself through two hours of watching something or I guess a TV show is what, 10, 12 hours for one season. Um, I could put myself through that 12 hours. But for me to then go to the book second, I'm like, I already know what's going to happen. And I think it's part of my ADHD where like, I literally like, I can't focus because I already know the material and I'm just bored. Kat. As she brought up Good Omens and I just realized I did the exact same thing with the show that I did with the book. And it's horrible because I love both of these authors wonderfully. And the book seems to be really entertaining, but for some reason I have never finished it. I get halfway in and then I stop. And then I did the same thing with the series and I don't know why, <laughs> because both are really beautifully done. Like, again, I love Neil Gaiman. I love Terry Pratchett. I've read both, like, you know, authors in depth. I don't know why. I have tried to read this book five different times. I've also tried to watch the series three different times. And I just stopped in the middle of it. And I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Jess, you look like you wanted to jump in. Yeah, as a huge book nerd, that is one thing that I do not waver on. I have if something is coming out that is an adaptation of a book, I do have to read the book first. I think I've only ever broken that rule once or twice in my life and I have not enjoyed it. So I'm totally with you on that. Um but yeah, definitely also Good Omens is great. I approve. So definitely read that first. I do own a copy, so I'll I'll get to it at some point. <laughs> it will happen. Uh, I just have to finish the other books that are on my plate and get through this literature class that I'm doing right now. <laughs> the uh, TBR pile is never ending. I totally get it. Bill looked like you were you were ready to jump into. Yeah, so I've been very quiet on this because I'm have a very weird relationship with spoilers at this point. I'm trying to figure out when it changed in my life. Um because I think there was a point where I didn't want to hear spoilers. And then I got so behind on everything that I needed to watch or read or listen to or play that I was just like, you know what? Who cares? The enjoyment for me is in the journey. You know, I can know the ending. And as long as the journey is good, I'm still going to enjoy the ending, no matter whether or not I know it already. So... And again, because there's so many things out there that I still haven't seen, and there's so many things that I could come up with that people will just shake their head out and say, why haven't you seen that <laughs> seen that yet or read that yet? Um, yeah, I, I know the endings to everything. 
and I will actually even actively go and seek out spoilers for certain things just so I can pay attention a little bit closer in the story to figure out how they got there too. Uh, you know, ultimately, Bill, I think you were the one that brought this up in our prep for the show, but you know, you, were, you mentioned about how spoiler culture has changed, but you clearly brought up the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, what's your personal thoughts on general I, spoiler culture in general, but also over 2020. So I think pre pandemic, you know, our two weeks was, was a good, you know, span of time to say, Hey, you know, let something be out for two weeks before you talk about it, before you spoil it for other people, give them that time. I think most people's, uh, ideas on that have really shrunk to say, okay, if you're not watching it the day or the day after it comes out, you're going to get spoiled because, you know, we're all waiting at home. We're not doing anything else. And people still, I mean, we still have wives right now that, you know, we're recording a podcast. We have, you know, role-playing scheduled on certain nights. We still have things that we're doing that we can't just consume media immediately the day that it comes out. Or, you know, like WandaVision comes out on Fridays. And if me and my wife are both tired on a Friday, we're not going to watch it. Like... You know, we did that with the with the expanse, you know, the expanse dropped every Wednesday. And I don't think there was a single Wednesday where we actually watched the new episode when it came out. Uh, Jada. You back off of what you were saying. It's also a matter of some people are still working. So, I mean, we're right now a lot of the whole, you know, pandemic ness is that everybody's working from home. So some people are just plowing right through all these episodes of all these shows and just binge watching binge watching binge watching but there are still people on regular schedules or irregular schedules because a lot of the people who are working right now are retail workers are food service workers are people working in industries where you don't have a strict nine to five or seven to four or you don't have that daytime schedule where it's like all right five o'clock comes now we're gonna watch a show you know or eight o'clock the kids are done in bed and now it's time for primetime tv which nobody really does that anymore because it's not 1989 but i digress so you do have people out there whose schedules don't really gel with what the con with, with when the content is released so somebody's friday night might actually be a wednesday morning yeah And as somebody, I worked retail for a decade, so I get it. Like there are times where it's like you are just plowing straight through a week. You might be working 10 hour days for seven days straight. So by the time you get home, you're so exhausted. You're like, oh, but I want to watch Mandalorian or I want to watch WandaVision or whatever. You want to watch a show, but you're so exhausted that you literally just collapse. Yeah. So Jess. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. You're okay. Go ahead. Jess. Yeah. And the problem is it's not just the articles that are like, oh, here's a recap of all the things that happened in the latest episode. It's people who are tweeting and gifing and they're like, oh, not a spoiler. And they're very obviously posting a gif that contains a spoiler. So even with muting keywords and hashtags, I found the best way to avoid everything entirely is just not go on the internet, which sucks because maybe I am working my retail shift and I want to check Twitter for a minute. I feel like I can't do that if I haven't seen this episode yet. And that's so frustrating. Yeah, I just wanted to jump in real quick and and mention, you know, uh, it's funny, we, we talk about all this stuff. And, you know, I, I 
sent a quick message to Ben in our chat real fast. But, you know, Ben and I have a very good friend by the name of Craig, who is a fellow podcaster and does become book gurus and it's a fantastic show. And, you know, um, we, we, we teased him a little bit because the day Karate Kid see, uh, or Cobra Kai season three dropped, like dropped a huge spoiler the day it came out. And he was just like, what? It's only 10 hours long. And I'm like, it came out this morning. And everybody's like, come on, dude. I'm like, you know better than this. And I'm like, but like it, it, it's crazy that we are just in that pattern. And I think when I think the problem is again too, sometimes your own personal hype and excitement, you get blinded by that though too. And I think that's the result. It's like I watch this, I want to talk about it now. And because it may not in the past, we've been in positions where nobody was in that position really to do that. But now because there is a fraction of the population that is, they now feel like they have carte blanche to go. Cool. Hey, it's like when the big finale of the season of Mandalorian hit, I happened to be up at three in the morning feeding our four month old daughter at the time. And I just immediately I watched it in the middle of the night at 3 a.m. when it came on. But after it was over, I had my feels about it, went on Facebook and said, hey, everybody, you're just waking up to seeing this post. Stay off social media if you haven't watched it, because fair warning, you don't want this spoiled for you. And that's all it was. So, Ash. I actually lucked out because you posted that because I stayed off social media that day and luckily got that full reveal and holy shit, like I was impacted, but watching my 44 year old domestic partner cry, just openly weep, it like slowly but surely as the realization came, you know, ship flies in, wait a second, somebody walks out hold on <laughs> green lights here what <laughs> gloved hand and just like the crying and the weeping and i can't believe like and i was thrilled for him I, it didn't impact me the same way that was the first film he ever saw in theaters it was huge for him for mm -hmm. me i was like oh this is pretty cute but i was glad i got to experience it in full because i would have missed out on that if i had known already i would have been sitting there at the edge of my seat kind of waiting for it to happen and waiting for his reaction rather than being engaged and enjoying it um but something i've noticed like i have friends all over the world um specifically i have a lot of friends out in like the west coast so for them what comes out for me at 3 a.m. comes out at midnight for them. That's still an o'clock that they're awake and they're watching things. So in their excitement, they tend to post about something. And it's, sometimes it's innocuous. It's like a single statement that anybody else would see and be like, eh, whatever. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that on this podcast? Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> uh, just a reminder, uh, our ending of the show every every episode is called Mary Fuck Kill. So. <laughs> um but yeah, so what what I've taken to doing in in like kind of on the other side of it is when I want to talk about something, I tend to post like, hey, this is the topic I'm going to talk about, like Wonder Woman 84, when that came out, because I talked about it very close to when it came out, because I had a lot of very strong opinions. And then I effectively made it so that the rest of the content of what I was going to say was hidden. And I asked people to do the same in the comments. Um, I really wish Facebook, um, maybe even Twitter, but Twitter's got like such short amount of content in each thing, had a spoiler feature like Discord a way to hide what you are utilizing f to avoid spoilers. So if people like Bill want to see the spoilers, awesome, click away. Un un 
reveal all those things. It'll be awesome um, for you. You can learn everything you want to learn about things. But then for people who don't want that spoiled for them or who very easily have things spoiled for them, like at least there's a way that people could hide it easier. Um, and if it becomes common practice, I think that it would be something that like would benefit overall. Yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think for people that don't know some of the best practices before we move on to our next pieces, if you if you want to have that conversation publicly, all you have to do is type two little letters in Facebook or somewhere that's a CW content warning and just put a couple spaces in there, something if you want to have that conversation, just to remind yourself. And if you're not sure on how many characters to put in or how many spaces, test it out with something mundane, like kind of a content warning. You're all missed today. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Just to get used to practices. And I think it does help out people, especially now. Um, you know, it helps, again, just like Jado was saying, people that are still out and about working normal nine to fives parents, all of these people that can't get the content the same way that people that maybe are working from home or other things have that ability to a little bit more readily accessible or easily to do so. So just think of think of your fellow geeks. So Jess. Yes, I would like to pose this to you guys because I'm seeing differing opinions. What do we think is a safe amount of time um, to then post your spoilers? I'm seeing something. I just saw an article that was posted today that said, Oh, well, wait until like Monday. If an episode airs on Friday, wait until Monday. And that's what this whole article, I put it in the chat. That's what this whole article basically boils down to. I still think that's too soon. Yeah, two weeks. And I think when you have- I like two weeks. I think that's fair. Two weeks is a safe bet. And especially if you have a short form content, like for example, like let's talk like WandaVision. It's what, 10 episodes? I think that's 10 weeks of content. Uh, you have a single solo story that's like reading a book. Maybe you can talk about the first half after a couple of weeks. Sure. But like give people time. A lot of people binge watch stuff still. I think it's pretty commonplace. So uh, Kat, you had your hand up. Uh, then mean, Jada and then honestly, it's, just, it's so simple to just go on there, like go on social media and go, who wants to talk about what happened? Private message me. The end. Like that's as simple as it has to be. Because I mean, like, I've done it on many situations where I've read something and I it just came out or then I want to talk to someone about it, but I don't know who's read it. I'm not going to, like, broadcast that to everyone. I don't want to ruin their enjoyment. Like, it's very, or, you know, people create, like, when the Star Wars movies came out, people have private groups where it was like, hey, let's all geek out about it here. It's awesome. You can, you know, everyone there is on the same page. You're not going to run the risk. It's mm. very simple to do. It's just, like, basic courtesy. Uh, two really fast points, Jada, then Ash, because we really need to move. We're 30 minutes into the second half, and we're on the last piece of the first half. So, <laughs> um, I was just going to kind of piggyback on what you were saying, like either nesting comments, hey, say, message me. We can talk about this on private messaging. That's always good. Um, talking about like spoiler timeframes and things like that. I feel like, you know, like three days like that, if a Friday to a Monday, that's way too short. Um, but on the opposite end, I remember having a discussion on Facebook about the Clone Wars. And this was before they were rebooting the series for Disney+. Plus. This was like two years ago. And we were talking about an episode, something that happened in one of the episodes, and somebody cried spoilers. And I was like, this, is, this, this show is eight years old. Like, this came out in 2008. I'm not really sure that you can cry spoilers at this point. This content has been around for a long time. If you have not consumed it and you're going to complain to me about this eight years later... 
I'm very sorry, but I'm not taking you seriously right now. Yeah. Two weeks, I think is fair, but you know, I think if you haven't seen or heard or anything like that, maybe that content isn't that important to you. Um, like I know for me, if I wanted to watch Mandalorian the second I got home from work on a Friday afternoon, a Friday evening, and I was, if, you know, if I, God forbid, looked at my phone on my lunch break and somebody spoiled the last episode of Mando for me, I would have been ready to punch them in the fucking face. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I apologize. We're going to have to move forward. So um, next, one of the things we want to get into, because I don't know how long this is going to potentially take, <laughs> but we're going to have to make it much shorter. Um, but we ultimately want to talk about uh, our biggest disappointments in pop culture. And I'll just ask everybody as we go through section by section, uh, just leave it to one. Uh, so everybody has equal time to talk about pieces. Uh, and so our biggest uh, disappointments in pop culture, we're going to start going through one by starting topic? about talking about books. So, um, and I think this is a great one to start with, because I know we have you know more book people on the show than we used to have, which is great. Uh, but Bill looks very excited to jump in. So I'm going to add, add mine first. Cause I only have one and it's because it's an audiobook, and there were no producers on the audiobook, And that's the third book in the altered carbon series. Um, gosh, I can't remember the name of it right now. Anyways, it, it, the producers didn't listen to anything from the previous books, didn't even read the previous books and then threw a new voice, uh, a narrator reader, whoever, whatever you call people who read for audiobooks. Um, narrator. Narrator. And uh, yeah, they didn't direct them at all. And it's terrible. And I'm still trying to get through it. And it's been like a year and a half. <laughs> so um, actually for me, I'm going to actually even jump in and say, uh, there's actually a comic. I was really incredibly dis- displeased with um and you know i think this also goes back into creators failure to deliver when you hype an event um and for me it was something that they were building in batman for several years and it was the marriage of bruce wayne and selena kyle and the issue hits and like we got like the issue before of catwoman in her dress which was like fucking gorgeous cosplayers were already doing it and the uh, issue hits and they don't get married and I was like, what the fuck? What are you so afraid to, to do? And I'm like, "You're." it's great when you can allow characters to naturally grow and become new things. You know, you weren't afraid to give Batman, like, you know, Batman a kid, but God forbid he gets married. You know, it was, you know, it, it's incredibly disappointing when you have something like that happen where, especially when the marketing behind it is all about, this is this event that everybody's been waiting for for years and years and years, and you don't do it. It is, it becomes all about sales at that point. Like we're, we want you to buy this, but we're not going to actually do the thing that you bought this for. Um, and it's just irritating. It gets under your skin and it, dro- it drove me absolutely ballistic. Uh, Ash. So I was having trouble thinking of one. And then I realized that, when you mentioned comics and specifically marriage that I had one and that's when J.H. Williams III ended up quitting Batwoman because DC wouldn't let her get married to her fiance. And he was like, I'm not writing for this anymore. And we lost the best Batwoman storylines we had had in a while. Not the the best ever because Batwoman has had quite a few good ones, but J.H. Williams III like was doing phenomenal things with Batwoman and because of DC had to nix that entire storyline. And that was probably my biggest disappointment. Um, 
especially with their reasoning that they had behind it, which was something about like, we don't want our characters having a permanent tied down situation. I'm like, Lois Lane and Superman? Lois Lane and Superman, like, <laughs> okay, okay, DC. Uh, so that that would be mine. I don't, I don't know like that I've ever had any like straight up books that have disappointed me in that fashion. Yeah, Jada. Okay, so it was actually one that Ash brought up earlier, and that was the um, sort of nixing of the relationship aspect between Finn and Poe in the newest Star Wars movies. I really was disappointed that they didn't follow through with that. I think that there really could have been a really beautiful triad between the three of them. between Finn, Poe, and Ray, and I really had hoped that that would happen, and it did not. Um, Jess or Kat? Still stuck for the two. Does it have like, to be book specific? Or? Yeah, it's right now we're in books, and then we'll move into TV, then film, then gaming. It's okay, Jada. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. I think I'm ready. I'm the worst. Sorry. It's okay. I'm like, no, I can't think of any for books, you, and I know I have them. But you are the is... two people that probably read the most here. I in know. This well, entire that's the group. Thing. Any book that I don't I, like, I just don't. I drop it. Like I'm just and I do the same thing. Well, drop it like well that's not. a good question. <laughs> have, have has there been a book that you've really wanted to read that you were just kind of like, ugh, disappointing, and then just said done. I mean, we talked about this. We talked about this last time. (laughs) If you want to say that one, you can. But for me, oh, has anyone else read the Divergent series? Oh, girl, I did not even finish that series because of the third book. (laughs) Ending to a series. I refuse to finish it. I just won't. I'm stubborn as shit. I would just. I heard what she did, and I'm like, mm, nope. I read the I first two, so and I'm like, really disappointed in that last. Um, that was you probably- can dive into what happened in it. I think it's a that that's a great example, honestly. Okay, so it's basically it's um, Hunger Games esque type story where you know post apocalyptic or whatever teens have to somehow fight each other to the death because that's in vogue and she kills the main character in the last book in the series like just straight up murders her protagonist who you have been getting first person point of view from for the entire series all of a sudden it shifts to her her boyfriend after her death and you're like what excuse me and even if her death had meant something which it didn't it was very poorly executed and just so so terribly disappointing especially that's really a cardinal sin for first person point of view just from a literary standpoint like you really you had to know she was going to do that though because it was the only in the third book where she brought in his point of view in the first place oh that's annoying Mm. that's just yeah, I did not read the third book because I heard it happened and I was like, that's going to disappoint me. So I'm just cutting out now. <laughs> All right. So we will shift to television disappointments. Um, anybody ready to start us off here? Nobody. Cat. I mean, I named my two. Mine are Supernatural and How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> How I Met Your Mother to this day is still like the pinnacle of disappointment for me. I just, I think because I really glommed onto that show at the time, um, it was coming out and it was like this self-discovery journey of this dude who was down, like he was just trying to find like the one and blah, blah, blah. And like, 
you know, it seemed like it was heading in a really great direction. And it, in the final seasons, it looked like, you know, they were finally breaking the toxic nice guy bullshit. And then, no, no, they caved right into that toxic nice guy bullshit. And I was like, all right. <laughs> uh, Bill, it looked like you were ready next. Yeah, I feel like this is a repeat. Um, Altered Carbon season two and the fact that they didn't renew Altered Carbon for a third season and actually finish the story because they didn't follow the books and decided to make their own story with bits of books two and three and then ran out of content. Uh, Ash. So this is going to be a theme with me and it's things that don't happen. Um, There was a TV series called threshold and it was supposed to be a three part series. It was going to be the first season was going to be called threshold. I think the second was going to be strong stronghold and the third stranglehold or the second stranglehold and the third stronghold uh peter dinklage was in the series um there was a couple uh brett spiner was in it uh there was a couple of big names in it It was on sci-fi it was phenomenal but didn't get the viewership that it needed so they canceled it and it was one of those things where they had it all in a nice neat little package so you get part one and then nothing and the devastation of getting through that first season and then my stepdad turning to me and being like you know this is it right and I was like what what do you what do you mean and he was like well they were supposed to have three series but they got canceled they weren't renewed so unfortunately this is all you get and I was like but but why <laughs> like, but why so I always get disappointed when they take things from me that I wanted <laughs> uh Jada uh, to kind of piggyback off of things that, you know, ended too quickly and we didn't really get the closure with that, at least in the television series, Firefly. Because you had this beautiful story and they were building up to so much that was supposed to happen. What with, you know, River and the two by two hands of Lou, which they still never brought those guys back. Um, even when they finished it off with the movie, they still never really explained, like, aside what they were from just they were hunting River. There was supposed to be a whole other story plot arc involving them, and it just kind of was like, all right, well, we have two hours to wrap this up. So um, that was, I think that would be my TV one. And Jada, just so you know, I think, uh, I might be wrong on this, but I think if you're ever interested in that, I think Joss Whedon went back and wrote that story in, the, in a graphic novel of Ooh. Firefly. Uh-huh. There are Firefly graphic novels. They did mm-hmm. continue. Mm-hmm. I was that. just looking that up too because I'm pretty sure there is specifically, um, I think it's called Those uh, Left Behind uh, mm-hmm. is the one mm-hmm. that addresses that. So if you are interested in that story, I have Greatly, thank you. Jess? Other than the obvious ones, uh, we went back and watched Community recently and uh, first of all, does not hold up at all. In case I had the feeling. Really, yep. Number two, it really ended with a bit of a whimper. Truly, that last season was uh, pretty terrible. We had never actually seen the last season, so we we watched, didn't. We still haven't. I don't the Yahoo season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do not recommend the Yahoo season. Uh, it's up on streaming <laughs> services now, and we were like, oh, why not? Let's watch. Mm-mm, no. Uh, Unfortunately, another another series that just probably should have ended before before it did, long before it did. Mm-hmm. Um, 
honestly, for me, there's there's a show I know like barely anybody watched, but I know Kat and I got really thoroughly invested, and it was really disappointing when it just fizzled out and disappeared, which was a show called Revolution. I was thinking. And it was two seasons. <laughs> it was this great post-apocalyptic uh, like world that had a little bit of like getting back to like brass tacks, but like kind of like colonial times a little bit. And it still, you know, like you're watching like this world coming back from the brink. And then season two twists on you and goes hardcore, hard sci-fi. And then done. And you're like, what the hell? You can't do that. Like it was one of the, those cliffhangers. I'm like, I am so pumped for the next piece. And then it just disappeared. Um, Yes. That is the show where they just lost electricity. Everything shut off. And you're like, what the hell? Uh, But it was, it was such a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant show um, that truly kind of did a lot of new things. But I, I think as, as far as a show was concerned, it was the closest thing I've ever seen to like The Last of Us converted into a TV show. Um, and it's cool because now we're actually going to get a Last of Us TV show. So um, and that's coming on from HBO. So which is bonkers crazy. And that's like Neil Druckmann and everybody from Naughty Dog writing it too with them. So it's going to be crazy cool. So um but I would say, though, for TV, there's another one. And I think it kind of counts in this, but kind of doesn't, which was shows that went on too long. Um, and it was a show that wasn't even meant to actually occur. And the studio slapped a name on it. And that was the season of Scrubs that no one talks about. It was the basically Scrubs, the new class that they rebranded as season 10. Uh, that was just god awful because Scrubs ended in such a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. It was it was this kind of like, you know, following this person's story and their last day was their last day. And it was them realizing that just because they're gone, it doesn't mean jack shit. And it was like this such a great like take a look back at your life and be like, huh. Um, But it was just really just kind of wonderfully beautiful. I mean, again, there's moments of that show that don't age well, but still you hear anybody that works in medical communities still state that that is still one of the most accurate representations that exists out there to this day uh cat i think it's also still one of the best endings i've seen and yeah it is the ending because that last season was not a thing Mm -hmm. but like that ending did a really really good job because they brought all of the promise and opportunity that could happen and left it there Mm -hmm. they didn't force it to end um, so we're going to jumble this up a little bit. We're going to do, we'll do gaming next because I think gaming can, can encapsulate multiple things. And I just want us to think this as just video games. This can be board games. This can be tabletop RPGs and not like, and I want to be specific, like not an individual campaign you were in, but like maybe like a book or something like that, that changes the fabric of what that world or universe is and how it's played. Um, because I think if we get into like, our individual stories, that's a whole podcast that we can come back to um, about our individual stuff. So let's let's switch to gaming. So I want to start with Bill on this for disappointing gaming. I am not going to go with video games now that you mentioned like tabletop and board games. Um, I'm going to say D&D 4th edition. The reason they be- just, I mean, so... I hate to say it, I haven't I have never played fourth edition. Um, I just was never interested in it. Uh, we had too many people that wanted to play, you know, third edition, three five, um, because fourth edition started to take it into a direction that we didn't want to go. There was too much. I don't know if it was th- th- people thought it was too easy or too simplified. Um, 
but it's weird because you know with fifth edition it is much more simplified but it's more simplified in a good way like i guess again i can't speak too much because i don't i haven't played fourth edition but i know to a lot of people it was a disappointment um disappointment for me because i guess i've never i've never really given it a chance okay what was the vampire edition in uh white wolf that used cards uh jada may remember this okay, i know i, like, I was jada i was gonna know. say i was just thinking that you were um, in the same game as the, yeah it was i think this i want to say this was uh vampire the masquerade were, third or vampire requiem i think it was called if memory serves it? correctly and i think that was the third edition i did not like that card maybe fourth edition and they're like <laughs> we're gonna we simplify it and like you just papers, asked scissors? a whole bunch of people to take sets of playing cards and do math every time that they have we to do anything. We were doing rock, paper, scissors here, and I got I that. Like, I was on board. It's not that difficult. Like, they added a fourth one, which was Alacrity, which was the bomb. And it was like, hey, guess what? The only thing that beats this is a pair of scissors. And the other, like, everybody's like, do complex math. And you're like, why? <laughs> why is this a thing a, now? <laughs> you know, so. needing playing cards in the first place. It Like, again, it, rock, paper, scissors. <laughs> it, took, it took the focus away from actually role-playing your character and role-playing with other people. And again, made it all about stats, like, you know, and doing the math. Jada. And for a LARP, I was just, that's a... I was just agreeing with you. It took a system that wasn't broke and tried to fix it. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> uh, gaming. Anybody else have theirs ready? Ash. I already spoke about Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> Um, and since I haven't actually played that, I'm not going to bring that one up. Um, actually, uh, Borderlands 3, I felt like the story was not very good in Borderlands 3. Um, they tried to take it in a direction that both expanded and like made things linear, and it just all fell really flat killed characters that had there was no reason to kill them and did so in such a lackluster way i am still struggling to finish the campaign in that and i'm a single player gamer so for me trying to like i've been doing more multiplayer in borderlands 3 because the mechanics of the game i love i'm actually really enjoying that aspect of it but the storyline is just dreadful so that would probably be my biggest gaming disappointment, I think. Uh, Jada or Jess? I can go. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not a big video gamer, um, but I was highly disappointed by Kingdom Hearts 3. It was super hyped, and I loved those games so much when they first came out. I was the perfect target demographic. The question is, did you actually finish it? No. No, mm. I did not. I did not. I finish finished it, and it is as bad as you think it is. Yeah, I can't. Mm. So I don't to know. Be fair, I also didn't play any of the offshoots. I only played one, two, and half of three. Um, I got to Pirates of the Caribbean and went, "This is dumb. I'm not doing that," and just completely stopped. Uh, that section did suck. I'm not gonna lie. I that was terrible. Do it. <laughs> so. That would be it for me because it had been hyped for so many years. And oh my God, we're finally getting Kingdom Hearts 3. This is going to be great. And to be fair, they did deliver some really cool things. I thought Tangled was gorgeous. Uh, That was a really fun world to be in. Frozen 
was pretty, but I couldn't, I couldn't slog through it. I just couldn't. I, I will say I, I will be a defender on that game because I did play a lot of the offshoots um, and I didn't play them until after playing it. And it made that game dramatically better. Should I go back and try? Like, I think it's worth it, especially after the DLC came out because it did add a lot more context um, and it actually did a decent job. But I think you need a lot of those primers or you need to watch at least like four hours of YouTube videos to really understand what's happening. Ash. I will preface this to preface this with I did not play the DLC yet, so maybe I'll give the DLC a chance. Um, my biggest issue with that game was actually the rehashing of everything they went through, like the Sora. Don't you remember this thing? And Sora's like, Nah, amnesia, bro. And like, <laughs> I'm like, uh, what? Like, I've put hundreds upon hundreds of hours into games one, two, and many of the offshoots. Not all of them, but a ton of them. And you can't remember any of that? Like, I just replayed one and two before three came out. You're really going to retell me this information? Mm -hmm. I guess. So yeah. I, I thought that was egregious, honestly. Um, and I'm I'm with Jess there. I forgot how disappointed I was. I kind of blocked it out. Like, <laughs> fugue state. <laughs> uh, I would say for me, for gaming, Mass Effect Andromeda was such a brutal disappointment. Um I think for one of the best wholly realized sci-fi worlds, that was a new sci-fi world that we've seen in anything between books, movies, you know, television, comics, the whole nine. Like they did such a great job in one through three of saying like, here is this great lore. Here are, they had like, what, like 15 different alien species that were fully realized. They had dynamics on how they all worked with each other. Every character felt wonderfully different than the next. And the, the saga and the lore that kind of extended through the eyes of one character through these three games was so good. And then you get to Andromeda and we're like, oh, you know, this this group is going to do such this great job of telling and starting a brand new story about this offshoot that happens before three starts somewhere completely else. And it was so void of life. Um, there was nothing there. And they said, OK, we're going to take three of the races from the original game, rehash probably the least interesting villain and just put a different skin on them and call them something different and introduce one other alien race. And you basically have this world that just felt empty. The characters were just blank slates that felt like they basically just took a copy of a Xerox of something that was printed off of the back of a cereal box and said, here, this is who you're playing as. And you're like, this is just a mess and nothing was good about it. And like it was one of those few times that I've ever was so excited about playing something and sat down with it. And I'm like, I'm done. And on top of it, the game was broken. It was, it was, it was such a brutal disappointment. Um, Jada, did you end up having anything for gaming as far as tabletop or anything like that? Or? Um, actually, I think it's actually to, to piggyback off of the, I think it was Vampire the Requiem too, because the book was terrible. Like just the way it was written. Um, and it was very much like, it was so stereotypical because it, you know, vampires are inherently turned humans but they really only showed gaunt very skinny very white humans and uh that was very disappointing um because i really just felt like along with the change in the mechanics of the game it was really really just catering towards like early 90s goths again it wasn't it wasn't really inclusive and that to me was kind of like 
I don't know who, I guess they were trying to pander to their original fan base, but it really wasn't, it didn't really feel to me like it was trying to encompass a world where vampires existed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a big positive right now, especially as like we're, we've seen in the last two or three years, um, source books really growing up and trying to, un- starting to undo that damage. I think there's yeah. a lot still to be undone, but the last two or three years, I think we've seen the most progress that we've ever have. So, which is, is a positive sign for the future so uh so the last one being films so and i think this is where most people will probably be ready to rock uh the closest so and everybody's still like nope please don't call on me it's i feel like i'm a teacher like giving a pop quiz um ash i have uh one that i think people will probably be shocked at um but end game I was really disappointed by Endgame. I felt like the bulk of it was kind of slow pacing, all just to give us this big bit of action at the end. And I like exposition. I'm about exposition, but we had a film of exposition. One film before, I wanted something more than that. And I wanted it to feel like it meant more. That being said, I went in with low expectations because Infinity War, the graphic novel, isn't particularly long. And they really drew out this thing that probably didn't need to be drawn out like that and recolored the main bad guy to have a different motivation than he had. Don't get me started on this. That he had initially. Look, I mean, I prefer the new motivation. It doesn't make it good. <laughs> but doing it for a a partner or somebody you want to be your partner who is absolutely ignoring you, which, yes, by the way, for folks who do not know, originally Thanos was wooing death. And that is why he wanted to kill half of all living things. Because I guess, um, I don't know why they thought that was a compelling character. <laughs> um, but I, that's probably, I don't, I don't love film. So that was probably my biggest disappointment. Um, what would have been my biggest disappointment would have been Civil War, but I won't watch it. So, um, and we've discussed privately why I won't watch it. And it's because that should have been their big, long, drawn out thing. And they should have waited until they received all of the properties that they have now and got, you know, Fantastic Four and X-Men and Spider-Man as as part of the, the MCU before even trying to touch something that lasted from july until january like so from july 2016 to january 2017 like there was a lot to it so that one i I just won't watch so yeah you will think you wanted to jump in real quick you had your hand up for a second then was it the thanos i was just agreeing with the i think the thanos motivation i actually like the original better because i think it's more i mean like it fits for a villain like because it taps into a more human motivation of obsession and i think that's a bit more easily relatable than like i'm kind of a humanitarian but like i don't know it didn't it didn't hit for me bill you you kept kind of having like fingers up like so i, w- I want to say a thing no so. I, I i am actually ready i do have my film um, it does follow the theme of dragging something out that doesn't need to be drug out. And this was drug out into three movies and it's the Hobbit. 
And there is no reason that they needed to drag out that story into three movies. And I feel bad. And this is another movie. Actually, sorry. There's another two movies because I still haven't seen the last one uh, that I have fallen asleep in because it just didn't grip me enough. The pacing was slow and so on and so forth. Like, and it's a shame. It's a shame with, you know, coming from what, lord of the rings was and knowing that i could do another i could do a day of watching the extended editions and absolutely love it and enjoy every goddamn minute of it but the hobbit no no i'm sorry can't do it uh jess you look like you wanted to chime in real quick when the hobbit was brought up no i have my uh movie but i 100 agree wholeheartedly with bill i don't think i saw i definitely didn't see the third hobbit movie and I'm very iffy on if I saw the second one. So agreed. Uh, I mean, the third one could be redeemed by Bendy Boop Doombadurch. <laughs> Who knows? Buns? Yes. yes. Um, and, and Lee Pace as Thranduil was fantastic too. That, that kind of saved those for me. But mine would have to be the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. I loved the first movie. It's like one of my, again, like comfort films, happy films. And then the second one, sure, whatever, third one. eh. And I honestly haven't seen anything after that. And I don't really think there's any point. You're not missing anything. They kind of went off the rails. Oh, no, I think I did watch the fourth one and was not paying attention the entire time. So they just seemed to wanted to keep going and get that cash cow. But just the quality kept decreasing. Yeah, uh, I mean, I will say real quick, I think one of the things I think is important to note on The Hobbit, just to backtrack just a little bit, um, I think what really happened there, though, too, was the fact that Peter Jackson wasn't planning on doing that movie and uh, Guillermo del Toro left the project as it was in pre-production and an obscene amount of money was spent. Oh, yeah. And they said, shit. And that's pretty much what Warner Brothers did. And they're like, well, it took us a lot of money to get the rights to do this with Warner Brothers plus New Line Cinema and all these things. And then they said, okay, we, we need to make our money back on this. And they said, hey, you guys are going to make this uh, three films. I, I think, honestly, there's if you ever watch fan films, uh, there are some amazing fan cuts of those three movies as one cohesive three-hour-long movie or three-and-a-half-hour-long film that actually gives you The Hobbit as in the way it's portrayed in the books without giving you extraneous things. So there's a ton of these disappointments, especially in like TV and film that come back to the studio saying we've spent all this money or we need more money and we want you to make the thing. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, Jada, do you have movie wise? I kind of already went. <laughs> yeah, you did. That's true. Um, but I, I mean, yeah, I wasn't, wasn't sure if you wanted to add in anything in addition to on that. I mean, I just feel like they really could have done so much more with the characters in that in that final movie. They could have done more with the love story angle between all three of them. Um, I think they would have made a kick-ass triad. That's all. <laughs> Everyone's nodding. Yes. <laughs> Um, oddly enough, um, I know it's funny too, because Ben threatened to disconnect the call as, as we were, dis- <laughs> we were discussing, um, Infinity War and Endgame. Um, I, and I, I know he's probably going to threaten to do so again in a moment here. Um, but I have tried so very, very badly to watch Far From Home and Homecoming for Spider-Man 
and I fucking hate both of those movies with a passion. Oh. I can't get through them. I've tried so many times. They're so unbelievably slow and slow paced. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get through them. I so have tried. I love Tom Holland. I think the character concepts and everything that they're doing are wonderful and great. I love a lot of the MCU, but I, I still can't do it. I can't do it. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I've apparently made people angry. So go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to ask if it's because you're old, Rob, but I don't think you're the <laughs> oldest one here. So I think it's just bad taste. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fair. And I, I think a lot of times, too, like, you know, like sometimes when you've watched a movie or you start a movie at the wrong time and like you end up in this weird cycle. And I think a lot of it is really what it is. Like I've started that movie at times where I couldn't possibly get through it. And then you have to start it again and you just keep rewatching the same 20 to 30 minutes on repeat, like three or four times. And it has happened with both of those movies to me numerous times that I'm just like, I just can't can't get through this hurdle. <laughs> and Jada is threatening now as well. So, um, and yes, and there's been some discussions here. Dark Phoenix from X-Men. Um <laughs> is that's not even a question uh but yeah no i, I think in in all honesty though i think it's for me it's it for me as disappointments is like when you just sometimes just can't get through a movie um you just absolutely can't get through a movie when you're trying desperately to do so um and usually a lot of times it's even life but sometimes even you create your own disappointments is when you're trying to go through something and it just it works out that way and I, I think I've ruined that movie for me where I'll never be able to kind of watch them because of that. Um, so any other last ones uh, for anybody that they want to bring up as honorable mentions for any of these four categories? Jada. One that I feel went too long and I feel like they could have wrapped it up a lot faster than they did was Lost Girl. And I love that show. But like the last two seasons were just like, oh my God, what other shenanigans are they going to get into? Can we please just figure this shit out like right now? Mm -hmm. um, and that show was really good. The first three seasons were phenomenal, but I feel like the last two kind of, they, they, they dragged for me a little too much. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get to our little creative bit real quick because then we are going to try to wrap things up and get to our ending here. Um, so from the certain piece that's probably the most egregious disappointment to you. What is it? How would you fix it? Uh, and we'll just kind of do a quick run through on this. Um, let's start with Kat. Um, for both of my complaints with uh, Supernatural and How I Met Your Mother, I have fixed for both of them. I watch seasons one through five of Supernatural and I stop. And that is perfect. And I'm very happy with that. Um, for How I Met Your Mother... We did actually rewatch it after the horrendous ending. What we did is we stopped when he meets the mother. I think it's like the end of the first, the, the, the first episode of the two part finale. And we stopped when he meets the mother and that's it. And that's the end. And it's beautiful. And that was perfect. And I don't need them to completely dissolve everything else that fucking happened in that show in the span of an episode. Um, Ash. I guess the quickest that comes to mind is Cyberpunk 2077, and I would throw the entire thing in the trash <laughs> and start from scratch. Um, 
I I really wanted the game we were promised. I really wanted something that was more in depth and that had day in life night cycles that had, you know, character NPCs that were smart enough to drive their vehicles, like to actually drive them and not just be on a path that could be stopped by you standing in the street in front of them. Um, yeah, I would, I would scrap most of it and start over. Cause I don't actually think that even with DLC and everything else, um, they might be able to redeem some of it, but some of it's in the core coding of how the game was made that unless they scrap a lot of it, I don't think they can remake it as the game that they promised us. Um, Bill. I've got, so I've got both fixes for books and TV, the books being my audiobook for Altered Carbon book three. I wish I could remember the name. Um, just bring back the original narrator. Like he knows exactly what he's talking about. He knows the character's actual name, first of all. And then to fix the Altered Carbon series is just scrap season two, go back to what the book was. And yeah, you're going to lose Poe as the hotel AI, but you know, he was a great addition to the first season. You don't need him to continue the story. The story stands on its own. Woken Furies. Thank you, Ash. I bought it for Ian for Christmas this year. The actual book. Books are good. The actual books are good. Um, Jada or Jess? No, not yet. If Jada wants to talk about Star Wars, I will defer to her on that one. So please go ahead. How much time do we have? Uh, okay, so here we, we go. We, no, we do have to wrap. <laughs> Basically, so. <laughs> I really feel one of the biggest aspects of star Wars will always be near and dear to my heart. Cause I literally grew up with it. And when we get to the Mary fuck kill, you know, which one I'm choosing for that one. Um, I think the biggest thing that I would want to throw out in the star Wars university university universe would be um, the toxic fans <laughs> because a lot of, a lot of their shenanigans is what killed some of the aspects of the series that I really love. And um, you know, them basically making certain actors not ever want to come back to the franchises and make more content, make new movies, even though those characters could still exist. Really, like that's that's really upsetting. So for me, it's we we need to kick out some of those old bastards and really just the people. If you only love the first three movies, then you only love the first three movies. You don't actually really enjoy the series. So only call yourself a fan of the first three movies, and that's it. Equate them with your childhood and leave the rest at the door. Um, or leave the rest of it for the rest of us who actually enjoy other aspects of it. So um, that's really mine. That's it. Uh, Jess, did you have yours? Yeah. Let's talk about Harry Potter for a second, guys. Surprise. Um, I would, I mean, like Kat was saying earlier, now a lot of the author's views, unfortunately, color the way that I view the text, but there's always been a really great side to Harry Potter, and that's been the fandom, which has always been a very accepting, wonderful, diverse place. I would want some of that brought into the actual universe. Give us POC, who are more than just, you know, one-sided characters. Give me queer wizards. Give me all of that stuff that the fandom has embraced and has written fanfic about. I want that in the actual text. Don't tell me that Dumbledore is gay as a side note. 
uh, like five years later. That's not good enough anymore. And I think we should expect better from our franchises. And that is what I would want. Make it inclusive. Just make it better. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, for me, one thing I actually haven't mentioned through the episode, and I know um, they've suffered a lot in a lot of their films, has been a lot of DC's movies uh, and their output over the last several years. And I know... Um, ben, if you want to unmute on in this part, because I think you will maybe agree with me on this as we get ready to wrap up and move into the MFK. But uh, Man of Steel, I had some really great bones and made some major mistakes. Do we have uh, another hour to talk about this? No, no, oh, no. You, we, we've got about th- three minutes. Oh. Um, <laughs> so but ultimately, BBS, there are some interesting ideas and really good ideas that are horribly executed. Um, and Ben would probably agree with me because there is an amazing, amazing, amazing fan edit. And I would just kick out those two movies completely and just re-release this in the cultural mindset. And it's a fan film called Man of Tomorrow that takes those two movies, turns it into a, what, two and a half hour long film. And it is truly amazing. Man of Tomorrow, honestly, is what really sold me on how great man, um, fan edits can be. Because, you know, as you mentioned, I'm not a fan of Man of Steel. I'm a huge Superman fan, and Man of Steel kind of really tarnished that love for me. Um, and not that it's not because of Cavill's portrayal. It's basically because of the writing that he had behind him uh, and the way the film was shot. It, it really had nothing to do with Cavill himself. But I've made no bones that I, I'm not a fan of Man of Steel, we continued to get that Superman and BVS, but you introduced me to Man of Tomorrow, and that is a movie that I will watch constantly. I will watch over and over again because it completely changes. It, it changes the narrative of the story completely. Mm-hmm. And makes that Superman thoroughly likable and lovable. Yeah. Um, and gives you a really brilliant Bruce Wayne through all of it, too. And you watch that and then watch Justice League and even Justice League is dramatically better for that fan edit. And you're like, holy shit, uh, those things that you just didn't think possible. And it's basically finds cool ways to use existing material and give it to you in a very different lens in a really creative fan way. Um, and I think it was really cool to see. Yeah. Um, but I think with that, we're going to wrap up our topic here. We're going to skip our last point because of just time. And get ready to close out with our Mary Fuck Kill. And instead of doing characters, I thought it would be interesting. Oh, Kat, I'm sorry. Do you, you not get to go? Oh, no, you're just ready to go. Okay, sorry. Um, and, you know, we're going to, instead of doing characters, we're going to do franchises as our Mary Fuck Kills this time around. So um, for the first time we've ever do for us doing this, and it was only right to use the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Star Wars, and Game of Thrones for who we'd rather marry, fuck, or kill tonight. And Kat is ready to go. (laughs) So, clearly, I'm going to kill the Wizarding World because it has been a disappointment (laughs) in the long haul. Um, And I would definitely fuck Game of Thrones because they know how to keep things lively for, like, an episode, like, you know, a session. But over the long haul, you know, ultimately end up a disappointment. So, and then Star Wars, obviously you marry because they constantly know how to keep things fresh. Like they have longevity and I feel like that's a really solid bet. Ash. Mine is the same for very similar (laughs) reasons. Uh, 
killing the wizarding world was easy for me. Um, I had to let go of it a long time ago. So I was just like, eh, I'm done with you. Uh, plus, I don't think I would be comfortable marrying or fucking a thing that was mostly based around a bunch of school <laughs> children. Um, fucking Game of Thrones, because uh, Game of Thrones seems like it knows how to have a good time. <laughs> <laughs> would get uh down and dirty in ways that are interesting um marry star wars not for the longevity i didn't think about that but that's a good point um marry it because i love space and i just want to exist in space i want to take my entire life go out into space go to a galaxy far far away i would be absolutely thrilled so yeah same same exact order uh but just for slightly different reasons Jada. Mary Star Wars, because I already did. <laughs> okay, so since we got that out of the way, I, again, Star Wars is like, it's like the love of my life. I can always come back to it. I can always, always come back to it. It's always entertaining. Um, yes, even the prequels. Yes, I even still love them. There's aspects of them that I absolutely love. I also am going to fuck Game of Thrones because let's be honest, they're the most fuckable out of all of them. And I mean, 10 seasons, they did pretty well. That that last, it, but you know, again, they really just fell short on the, on the finale. But for the most part, they definitely know how to throw it down. There's, there's a lot of really attractive people to keep me busy. And yeah, okay, we're, we're definitely fucking Game of Thrones and sorry, Wizarding World. Jane, uh, you know, JK Rowling, just done. We're, we'd kill them off. Jess. Witching it up. Okay. I wasn't sure if we were going to. And I'm also looking at Bill and as he's just kind of like. I'm switching it up. I'm killing Game of Thrones because uh, I feel like Game of Thrones would literally kill me. Way (laughs) too intense uh, for me. So stabbed and done. Um, You fuck the wizarding world. You get some good thrills in in the room of requirement magic is there for a reason you marry star wars because of the space capes that is why you marry star wars that is my answer switching it up a bit there you go uh now to our bond villain bill as he's sitting there petting his cat winston (laughs) i have mr bigglesworth with me um i am actually with you on this jess you you kill game of thrones because if you tried to marry them or fuck them, they would probably kill you in the end. Um, you do fuck the wizarding world because yes, magic um, and tonks like, <laughs> and then uh, yeah, you marry star Wars. Cause you always marry star Wars. Yeah. Um, I'm going to match the first three. So <laughs> I think, I think for me, you have to kill Wizarding World, and I think it's it's it, it's broke its leg a while ago, and it's time to take it out back behind the shed and put that bullet in it finally. <laughs> I think it's just time. Um, and uh, yeah, I think Game of Thrones, it, it, again, it, it is very much the most fuckable. I, I, I think there's there's a lot of probably variety in that fucking too. So, so I think regardless of which way it's going to go, um, I think you can make a day out of that one for sure. And then you definitely marry Star Wars. I, I think the reason why we all married Star Wars is is very abundantly clear. 
so yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely for me. That's my answer, and you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what what we come up with next for our our next episode, and I think whatever our next topic's going to be, and wherever the hell it's going to go. So just be um, careful that you don't end up on the wrong end of the of a Ramsey Bolton, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Way to way to make it a really twisted, dark place, Bill. Good job. You know, it, it had to be said. <laughs> uh, yeah, sure. This is this is why you don't mess with Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, that was episode number sixty-six of the Captain Crew Cast of Pods. Real quick, just going around. Uh, Bill, what is going on for you currently? I am waiting to try to figure out a day that I can stand in line to get my new video card because they are still out of stock everywhere. So. I I can't stream anything. I can't record new videos. Uh, so I've been playing StarCraft 2 and trying to get my APM up so I can be a pro StarCraft 2 gamer. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. <laughs> Jada, how about yourself? Mama ain't easy. I mean, it's pretty much my regular grind right now. Um, looking, I'm going to... I'm trying to find new teaching gigs as far as teaching Bombay Jam at either YMCA's or... Uh, local other gyms or fitness studios. I am subbing currently at the Vibe Vault studio occasionally for my mentor, Bobna, um, which is a lot of fun, but I would love to get to, back to teaching my own classes this year. That is sort of my goal for 2021. Awesome. Uh, Jess? Not too much going on right now, but I am through my local theater going to be recording a monologue. They're doing monologue Mondays uh, for the next, I think, something like 10 to 15 weeks because they had a lot of interest in it. So keep an eye out for that. It's already started. My monologue in particular will be dropping sometime in March. So even getting involved again in theater in a very small way has been has been very happy for me. What theater is it? Barley Sheaf Players, yes. Follow them on Facebook, and that is where the monologues will go. They're also uploaded onto YouTube. Very cool. Um, Kat, tell us all the things that are going on, because all of the things are going on. Not that many. I have uh, two releases coming up. Um, One's at the end of this month, which is pretty much queer leverage with romance. (laughs) It's uh, Midnight Heist, and it's coming out with Hot Tree Publishing. And then at the end of March, I have a um, the start of my lesbian trilogy series, uh, contemporary romance series coming out. That is Consigned Desires. And they're all both going to be available through Amazon. And they're both... And a bunch of other online retailers, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Confined <laughs> Desires and Midnight Heist. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> Ash... Uh, our newest member, and thank you for joining us for your first episode. What's going on for you? Thank you for having me, first and foremost. Um, So I am right now in school finishing up my last class to finally get my associate's degree. So that's taking up a lot of my time. But where people could see me publicly and find things that I'm doing, I have a Twitch channel. I stream every Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday, uh, typically 6.30 to 8.30 Mondays and Wednesdays. Saturdays, it's 7 to 11. Um, The channel name is Amorous Sky. That's A-M-A-R-I-S. 
S-K-Y-E. And tomorrow we are doing a special 12-hour birthday stream for my 33rd birthday, uh, which is very exciting. This will already have been released by then, uh, or like this will come, come out after that happens, that 12-hour stream, but people can check out the VOD. It will still be up on Twitch if they are interested in seeing how I decide to celebrate a birthday uh with twitch subscribers so fantastic um as for me like i said uh between just hosting this podcast not much else is going on for me um but maybe working on maybe a little special project with our good friend uh and photographer friend josh maybe sometime in the near future uh that will be tied to probably the return of still afraid of the dark uh from next level later this late summer um, you know and into you know i guess september and october uh, and beyond that though too uh, i'm going to turn it over to our producer ben to tell you about the other things going on on the network currently uh yeah so nothing really different on the network uh caffeine crew obviously a great addition to it um my spotlight podcast which is my celebrity interview podcast has already started lining up a couple interviews to launch into its seventh season uh hopefully in march my new movie roundtable podcast wilhelm launches in the next week i had an overwhelming number of people to uh, sign up to be a part of it so it took me a lot longer to cast than i anticipated uh i have almost 50 episodes uh to cast right from the start before it even launches so almost a year's worth of episodes which is awesome but other than that nothing really huge all right well fantastic well everybody again thank you for being a part of episode 66 uh we'll be back in a couple weeks we're gonna maybe try to squeeze another episode in to play a little bit of catch-up if we can at the very end of uh the month of february if humanly possible if not uh we'll probably end up getting back more to a normal cycle of recording than maybe in the beginning of the months probably again that would mean at the beginning of March. Uh, we are still currently coming up with our slate of content, uh, but like I said, we'll probably be posting that on the Facebook page. Again, you can find it at Caffeine Crew. So make sure to keep an eye out there where everything drops in addition to uh, Next Level as well uh, through Twitter and Facebook. But we will see you all uh, either in a few weeks or around this time next month uh, for another episode. And until then, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care.